Fantasy. Class is in session. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Marvel School for Dummies. This week we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Volume 1, whatever you want to call it. I, I am your host. Ooh. Can I say something? I like that you always say newest episode as if somebody's- Don't fucking ask, I don't know. <laughs> it's, no, I love it. It's great. It's like we have people every week just dying. <laughs> I don't know why I say it either. Because I think to myself every week, you don't need to say newest. Uh, like, I just, I don't need to say that. I just always do, though. It's fine. Anyways, okay. I am your professor, Lear and Jess, joined by my co-professor. Jordan Deeb. And our lovely student. Victoria Lyman. All right, like I said, we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Came out in 2014, directed and directed and written by James Gunn. It was also written by Nicole Perlman. They worked together on this one. Surely Starring, it's Perlman? I don't know. Because you know what? Oh, she wrote uh, Detective Pikachu, too. Good for her. And she wrote the story for Captain Marvel. I'm trying to see who her parents are because I found out today. Do you know that weird Daniel Radcliffe movie, Horns? Yeah. No. It's a, okay, so it's a, a movie where he grows horns after his girlfriend is raped. And I love the book. I read it in college. I found out today, and it's written by a guy named John Hill. And I've read a couple of his other things. I found out today that Stephen King's son. Oh. oh, I think I heard about this that he purposely goes has changed the last he name. He goes by his middle name, yeah. By his mi- because he doesn't want people to have to compare him to his dad or he doesn't want to kind of uh get famous off that. And I mean, hey, Owen gets fucking tortured because of his last name, so he Owen can't King? go Yeah. Okay. He lives in New Paltz and he gets fucking tortured. Really? Mhm. Huh. Him and his wife have um he cuz he went to Vassar. Okay. Him and his brother, John and Owen, both went to Vassar. Um, anywho. Anywho. <laughs> uh, I don't think she's related to Ron Perlman. Because I'm looking through her, her Wikipedia page and it doesn't say anything about it, so. I don't think so. Yeah, fair enough. But she's going to be writing an untitled Fast and the Furious spinoff. Oh, great. The next Hobbs and Shaw. What? No, it's, an, a, it's a currently untitled Fast and the Furious movie. Okay. Um, anywho. It's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, of course, stars Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Vin Diesel, which I always forget. Always forget. <laughs> okay, Bradley Jordan. Cooper, which I also always forget. Jordan that told one I kind me, of remember. Jordan told me Vin Diesel the other day. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> did you he figure also... out who vo- sorry, did you figure out who voices Rocket Raccoon? Well, I saw it at the beginning. They have opening okay, credits yeah. for this. Um, yeah. This is the other thing that I, I uh greatly enjoy is um Vin Diesel gets a different script. Vin Diesel gets the script with what him saying I am Groot actually means so that he can at least attempt to voice act instead of just repeating I am Groot 8,000 times. So he can times. have like attitude and like stress different parts yeah, of it. Yeah, because you can't just having I am Groot written on a page anytime, you can't act with that. So he gives him the like 
lead in and obviously he knows he just has to say i'm groot so his script is the lead in and then an actual line and everybody else's script it just says i am groot in their reaction also he um also stands on stilts while he does his recording i found out <laughs> i don't know if he does that anymore because he's no, not he's not as tall but yes that for the first anymore? one he, he was on uh he's on stilts but victoria what were you gonna say well okay that goes off of what i was gonna say is i didn't realize Baby Groot is not the original Groot, the, the only oh. Groot. He was the marketable Groot. I, that's the only one I knew. Also, <laughs> because apparently James Gunn is very passionate about this. Um, Baby Groot and this Groot are not the same Groot. Good. I kind of I thought that, but... They're not at all. It's an offspring of yeah. the original Groot. Yeah, that's what I thought. James Gunn. (laughs) He got really mad at somebody on Twitter the other day about it. (laughs) I was like, I don't understand why people don't get this. Like, Baby Groot wouldn't make this, 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 this mistake in Volume 2 and in Infinity War if he was still that Groot. Like, he got really mad about it. He does not have the same memories at the bare minimum, whether it's an offspring or a clone. Fresh memory. So yeah, does not know what happened in the first one. He was like, it is a different Groot. Damn. I was like, okay, damn, dude. I, I also, before we jump into things, I need to say, I told Jordan the other day I had planned to recast this entire movie, like as a joke, just for the memes, mm-hmm. because there was a tweet forever ago that said, um, uh, I I wish Adam Scott had the career that Chris Pratt got. <laughs> I do not think that Adam Scott could play this role, and that was not the plan going into it, that I was going to put him as Star-Lord, but, like, watching this movie, I was like, I don't know how to recast this movie. There, Jordan and I joke a lot that there's a there's an alternate universe where the guy who plays Roy in The Office got cast as Star-Lord, and now has Chris Pratt's career. Um, Glenn Howerton was also considered for the role of Star-Lord if Chris Pratt didn't lose the weight in time. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go all into this, but Kevin Feige and James Gunn were aggressively against casting him for a long time. Wow. James Gunn didn't even want to give him an audition. Which like and, Oh, say what you want to say and then I'll just say he basically said he goes, Give me a month to lose forty pounds and I will prove to you that I can. He ended up losing fifty and then That's not a true story. Oh, it's not? No, I oh, have okay. the real story. We'll talk about it when we get to casting. He pulled a Christian Bale for a while. Um, which, if you don't know what that means, it means dangerously fluctuating your weight. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> That's not as good then. No. Um, I'll explain it and I'll explain it when we get there, but um I don't want to go through casting yet. Okay. I mean Probably. we can go through casting stuff now. I feel like, it, yeah, we should do it first, I think, just because this this is an ensemble movie, but it's all new characters, so we can start with that. Um, okay, so let's, uh, go ahead. Oh, what I was going to say about um, Chris Pratt is, like, as much as, like, I don't care for him anymore, I don't think anybody else could play this role. I know people were very adamant online about trying to get him recast. First of all, one, I don't think they're going to recast him unless he says the N-word or it's Founds it like we find out that he's like raped or sexually assaulted somebody. Like that's the only way he's getting recast. I do not think what he's done is gonna make him get recast. If it came out that he was actively giving money to anti LGBTQ 
charities, like, you know, focus on the family and all that kind of crap, Disney would probably recast him, but it would be like some big real evidence of the situation. Yeah, not yeah. that he goes to a church that kind of believes that. Is famously anti-LGBTQ. Yeah. To be clear, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but yeah, we're not. None of us here really like him anymore as a human. Yeah, which which I was gonna say has been a really hard reckoning for me because I used to really love Chris Pratt like a lot. Yeah, like a lot, a lot. (laughs) So he's like, if your goofy uncle and your racist uncle were kind of the same uncle, and you just (laughs) had to live with that fact, or it's like, oh boy, let's make him laugh, but let's not really talk on serious stuff. Oh my god. What, the moment that it was over for me with Chris Pratt was, it was our senior year of college, I think. For Easter, he built a cross out of, like, recycled rebar and carried it up a mountain yeah. and planted it in the dirt. Oh, my God, And that yeah. was, like, his Easter celebration, and I went, no more. I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> that no. was the final straw for me. Not because I'm anti-religion or anything like that, just because, like, are you implying that you're Jesus- yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. That's not that's for a different podcast, not here. Yeah. Anyways, so uh yes, um Chris Pratt plays Star Lord. As Victoria said, uh Victoria's not the only one who thinks there aren't really any other people who could play this role because this was the hardest role for James Gunn to cast. Um and it was the casting director. So he had been on Parks and Rec and that had been his claim to fame as playing Andy Dwyer. And then he had gotten into Moneyball and Zero Dark Thirty and had lost a good chunk of the weight um, so that he could do Zero Dark Thirty and Moneyball. And then he had kind of given up on going out for action films because he auditioned for Star Trek and it was apparently like a disaster and went to Chris Pine and he had auditioned for Avatar, which was also, like, apparently really bad. Like, his audition was really bad for the main guy in Avatar. But to be fair, the main guy in Avatar isn't good, so. Wouldn't, wait, didn't Avatar come out way before Moneyball and Zero Dark Thirty? It has nothing to do with him losing weight. It has to do with him not wanting to play uh, lead roles in action, not thinking he can play lead roles in action okay, I'm, movies. Okay, I'm, I'm going to preface this with I haven't seen it, but is Zero Dark Thirty not an action movie? It's a military movie. It's not an action movie. Oh, okay. It's like a, I kind of military those do thriller. the same things in my mind. They're not. Because in an action movie, you have to look hot. You're probably going to have an, a scene where your shirt's off. You're going to have some kind of scene where you're showing off your muscles in military thrillers. They don't really do that. It seems kind of weird to... They're a little bit more grounded in reality. Yeah. Okay. Especially Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> And, like, if you're not, you know, perfectly ripped, you're going to be covered by the fatigue, so. Yeah, that's the okay. thing. It's like, and most military men aren't perfectly ripped. They're muscular, and there's a difference between being jacked for an action film and being muscular. Yeah. As long um, as you're ripped from the jaw up, you can be in a military film. Also, putting putting shirtless servicemen in a movie about killing Osama bin Laden would have been a weird choice. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like Magic Mike for Republicans. Oh, my God. Jordan. Uh, Jordan. Why? Jesus Christ. Anyways, uh, the casting director for the movie, Sarah Finn, had suggested Pratt to James Gunn, who dismissed the idea um, because he just didn't think he could do it. And Finn basically was like, I don't give a fuck about your opinions uh, and set up a meeting between the two of them. Good. It was like an hour long meeting. And uh, at the end, Gunn was like, yeah, no, uh, Chris Pratt is the only person who can play this this fucking role. 
um I don't know how to explain it, but it's it's like it's just it's a it's a Chris Pratt role. Like I don't know yeah. how else the, to explain it. The way it. I see it is that in in a lot of ways, Star Lord is very much like Andy from an acting perspective, but like just different levels at different moments where it's like kind of a goofball, but at the same time has a lot of heart is there. The only difference is that, like, Star-Lord has some level of intelligence. Yeah, I was going to say, he's not a goofball in the same way that, that It's Andy a different is. type of goofball, but it's still a goofball with heart and, like, heart's in the right place as well. Yeah. And then, again, just some smidge of intelligence. Yeah. Do you Pretty do you much. Okay. No, I don't disagree. My air conditioner is fighting with me. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but the problem was between Zero Dark Thirty and um, these auditions, uh, Chris Pratt had gained back like 60 pounds to film Delivery Man. Um, and so when he met with Fihe, he basically was like, I can lose the weight again. Just like, give me a, give me some time. I can drop the 60 pounds again that I put back on. And so then he dropped 60 pounds in six months to to Prudes for the role. Okay, that's and not horrible. It's bad. <laughs> well, it's bad to fluctuate like that. To fluctuate, It's yeah. also losing 60 pounds in six months. That's a lot. 10 pounds a month is a lot? It can be, depending on how you're doing it. Yeah. Okay. I also um, really liked how in that last season of Parks and Rec, where they go, yeah, Andy's uh, in better shape now. And he just goes... I cut out beer, and that's the only way they explain it. <laughs> yeah. It makes me happy. I mean, to be fair, cutting out beer does way cut down on belly fat. Yeah. It's like liquid bread. Yeah. If bread um, got you hammered. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so... um, Next, we have Zoe Saldana playing Gamora. Um, she was very excited. And also another one that like I can't really see who else could do it. She makes a lot of comments about how she went from playing a blue person to a green person and that she's just going through the range of colors. Good. Because she's the lead woman in Avatar. Which means regardless oh of God. which movie comes out on top, Zoe Zalanda wins. Zoe Saldana, yeah. So Saldana, that whole sorry. argument about one of them, um, Disney, uh, Endgame or uh, uh, Avatar being the top winning movie you got people on the internet myself included going it doesn't matter either way the money is going in disney's pocket and then it gets pointed out the real winner here isn't disney it's zoe saldana (laughs) (laughs) making endless royalties i play both sides that's how i always come out on top truly um oh uh then we have dave batista as dax the destroyer um Dave Batista loves playing Drax yeah. far more than he should. He I don't know okay. why, but he does. He I I didn't really know anything about him other than he was on Justin Long's podcast a few months ago. And he just seems like a genuinely like good human being. He, he's a wrestler. He was a wrestler yeah, before this. No, time. I knew I that. I knew his name. 
I never watched WWE growing up, but my cousins did. So like, I'm very familiar with uh with the Batista bomb. Yeah. But um, I in I think that I might remember this incorrectly, but he didn't. He had no interest in acting like as a child or anything. Like, and I love stories like that when like all of a sudden, like as an adult, you're like, you know what? This is something I think I could do. Yeah. Um. He was in like a bunch of action movies because action movies love to cast WWE people because they they understand it. They understand what they're doing because WWE isn't real. Yeah. You know, it's like live action anime. <laughs> That's how I've heard it described legitimately with like the storylines that they have with the people. I mean, kind of, I guess. Um, To be fair, I, I've had that told to me by somebody who is both an anime and WWE fan. Okay. They, he was. They just went like it, it hits the same spot. I can't explain it. Okay. Anyways, uh, then we have Vin Diesel as Groot. Um, he said it's the most challenging role he's ever played, <laughs> which I understand why he's saying that. I get why he's saying that, but it's still so funny to me. Oh, yeah. I think it's funny because it's coming from Vin Diesel, who like listen. He's actually like a very genuine nice person. There's no reason to think badly of him i don't trust him because the rock doesn't like him wait is is vin diesel not the one where there's like comments of him like hitting on the interviewer yes vin diesel's not a good person yeah oh, really okay there's like, seen him like, as, like this this guy that like just became famous and like there's some really oh. bad interview oh, clips what? of him directly hitting on the interviewer yeah. and like in like in like a not nice way yeah, like, like not even just being like, oh, like you're very pretty, like and like that's it. Like he was like, oh, like what I would do to you and like other. I can't insane... believe I just had to find this out live. <laughs> and like he also he there are all these really weird things where like he doesn't know his father, like he doesn't know who his father is. He was raised by just his mother, um, and his mother is English, German, and Scottish, and. I guess has never talked about their father, but he identifies as a person of color. Oh, yeah. I forgot like, about that. Like, he said in an interview that he knows from his... All he knows about his father from his mother is that he has connections to many different color cultures, but his stepfather is a man of color, so he says he's a, definitely a person of color. I, oh, God. There's and a that lot his parents' relationship would be illegal in America at certain points. He's a really weird guy. <laughs> um, he's a weird dude. Uh, he fascinates me. And I just... think I think you can be fascinated by him, but still be like, nah, he's not that great yeah, no, of a dude. <laughs> now that I know he's not that great, it's like, okay, I just want to study him for science. And, like, he's really into Dungeons and Dragons. Which is not bad. Like, he <laughs> writes campaigns for Dungeons and Dragons. That's that's kind of cute. <laughs> and, like, helped make an ASMR video game of Vin Diesel DMing a Dungeons and Dragons game. Okay. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, he's something. Victoria, 
occasionally what you need to do is just go on Vin Diesel's Instagram and just look at what he posts. No, that's okay. No, no, no. Trust me on this. Like, this is a whole bit on Kind of Funny where they, oh, like, no, update but, you on his Instagram, and it is but hilarious. Jordan, Victoria and I have watched the Drew Gooden video that revealed us to what a weird man he is, and we're okay for the rest of time. Okay. Yeah. Um... Anyways, I also just don't trust him because The Rock doesn't like him. And I feel like The Rock likes everybody. And the fact that him and The Rock can't be in the same room, I'm like, what What happened? Yeah. See, I, I, I always just kind of um, assumed that was like a, a one of them was a diva thing or like both of them are divas in their own way. So like when there's another one in the room. But can't be in the same room? Like people are divas, but can't be in the same room to film to the point I mean, that the studio gave one of you your own spinoff. Apparently, the per- one of the the person who's not coming back for Sex in the City. I don't watch the show, so I don't know. But whichever one isn't coming back is because she hates uh, Sarah Jessica Parker that much. Yeah, oh, where yeah. the fuck have you been? Uh, Kim Cattrall fucking hates Sarah Jessica Parker. If you would like me to launch into the politics behind Sex and the City and why Kim Cattrall is also a fucking mess of a human being, I can, but... <laughs> but we have to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. This is yeah. not the Sex and the City school for dummies. <laughs> that's our next... That's, that's our sequel. <laughs> that's our sequel. When, when, where I'm the, the student. The way that, the way that um, newcomers went from uh, Star Trek to Lord of the Rings to now the Tyler Perry universe, this is gonna be yeah. our arc. Yeah, we go from the MCU to freaking uh, Sex in the City. Sex in the City. To continue into like the old woman thing, can we can we go Sex in the City to Golden Girls? <laughs> oh God. Anyways, um, Bradley Cooper plays Rocket. Um, Weirdly fitting. It's very fitting. He he says that he's Joe Pesci. Rocket is the equivalent of Joe Pesci in The Godfather. Oh my god. Yep. Um, yeah. And, uh, they kind of just worked a lot to figure out, like, the vibe that this character was gonna have. Because, I will say this at the top, of all the adaptations from comics to movie... Guardians is somehow one of the most accurate while also being one of the least accurate character-wise. Well, okay, I was reading earlier about how um, the comics are very dark for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because this is probably like the most lighthearted movie we've watched so far. It's like yeah. the most lighthearted movie in tone, but if you really get to think about the plot, it's incredibly high oh, risk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then... In the comics, I don't know that much about them in the comics. Uh, to be honest, nobody did. Like, this is Marvel really going for the bottom of the barrel of their characters. Mm. To the point that they didn't... None of these people are uh, the original Guardians of the Galaxy team. Yeah. And yet, that's what worked for film. I, well, okay. I, what I was going to say is... I Like, I know they're all based off characters from the comics, but they feel very like movie characters i don't know how to explain that um what um but yeah is netflix just gonna buy one of the shittier ones do you think never because they keep getting fucked out of their contracts i unpaused focus okay um we also have the return of 
um, for us, the return of Ronan the Accuser, the Kree zealot who's working for Thanos. Yeah, I was going to say, Ronan's in Captain Marvel. Marvel, yes. correct. Okay. She's learning. She's learning. I remembered. Um, yeah. Uh, we also meet Yondu, played by Michael Rooker, um, who is the so leader much. of the Ravengers. Um, it's, it's interesting to see him in this role for me because it's so different than Merle that From... when somebody the walking dead oh, okay that when um Daryl who is like the main character on the walking dead now he has a brother in the early seasons named Merle who is a <laughs> fucking psycho sorry just the fact that their names are Daryl and Merle whatever you're like... picturing is what they are Leather wearing, motorcycle riding. I know what Daryl looks like. Hillbillies. And Merle was just like him. <laughs> Fucking Merle. Anyways. Um, oh, and, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we see Nebula, the other adopted daughter of Thanos, played by Karen Gillian. Ooh, her voice irritates me in this movie. <laughs> I always so forget she's Scottish. Weird. Like, it's so... But that's not a Scottish accent. No, no, no. I, I, I know that she's... That's the thing. Because in these movies, she's not using a Scottish accent. Whenever I see her in an interview, I every time I'm like whiplash, I'm like, oh, yeah, no. Also, because like everyone's painted in these movies, I knew she was in it and I also knew Zoe Saldana was in it. I did not know which played which. Like for all I knew, I was like, I was like, uh, Gamora could have been Karen Gillian for all I knew. <laughs> Well, she also had to shave her head for the role. What? No, she didn't. There was a video of her at Comic-Con taking off a wig and revealing a shaved head. Oh, that she must have done it for the first movie because she didn't do it on any of the subsequent ones. Yeah, she then they realized that like, yeah, we're like, we could do it with a bald cap. You don't have to shave I it down I was going to say, that doesn't yeah, seem Yeah, it says like... right here, she was not asked to shave her head. She shaved her head. I never said she was asked. Actors I said she shaved weird. it. Actors are so fucking weird. <laughs> That does not surprise me for a fucking second that she bicked her fucking head. Anyways, just put the, your makeup still took four and a half hours. Just put on the fucking bald cap and call it a day. You're gonna be hot either way. Do you yeah. think it would have made her head look too big? A bald? No. Okay. I mean, it's how they make people look like cancer patients in movies. Man, I'm by no means that these two movies have the same budget, but um, in El Camino, when they had to like quickly do a scene with Brian Cranston again as like a flashback to Breaking Bad, that he didn't shave his head again, and his head looks weirdly big in a few shots. It's because they didn't have the same budget. One was a television movie. One is a Marvel main cinematic universe title. Also, she's blue and gets covered in the dark a lot. So, it's also her makeup took four and a half hours. I'm sure with Brian Cranston, they slapped a cap on him and called it a day. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, those are the only people that matter. Um, so let's, before we jump into plot, um, I don't like this movie. It's a good movie. It's just not my thing. Um, I don't like the characters. It's a very personal preference thing. It's a well-written movie. It's a well-directed movie, but the characters drive me up the wall. Uh, except Gamora. Gamora is me in this movie. Her just being annoyed the entire time is me. 
Learen messaging me one night, like randomly and going, am I not a fun person because I don't like Guardians? <laughs> I don't. I just like, I don't like those kind of characters. And I was sitting in my, uh, my room like. Well, okay. So this was what I, I <laughs> this is what I was trying to say before, before we got interrupted that these characters, I know they're based off the comics, but they feel like characters like obviously written for a movie like spectacle they're very much caricatures they're they're stock characters um at their core there you can point to each one like chris pratt is like your traditional commedia dell'arte harlequin like that leading man like or not the harlequin the fucking um i can't think of the name of the leading man in commedia dell'arte but that just is what peter quill is um some of them are are caricatures like turned on their heads but it's still there at the end of the day they all are caricatures or stock characters yeah. yeah um and it's very heightened it's just not my jam um as we get deeper in the movies one of my favorite things that i said from endgame without any, or not endgame infinity wars with no spoilers is uh the way dr strange reacts to a lot of the people he meets from the guardians of the galaxy is me <laughs> that is just my general state of being when it comes to them can't wait for that i just can't wait for you to meet dr strange and then we're gonna get on that podcast and everybody's gonna go yeah it's not surprising to me that learn fucking loves this movie anyways uh jordan what are your your general opinions on i genuinely like this movie it's fun it's it's also a lot more colorful than we've gotten so far um in the mcu uh, which I like is because the movies tend to get grayer as we go further along in some of them. I th- it's the first time we are actually in space, which is, you know, a fun thing. The first time I watched this movie, I didn't fully understand the plot because like I was with someone and like, we were just kind of like talking through it some at points. So like, I didn't fully get what was going on. So I had to like rewatch it, but like, I, I like it now. It's, it's really not a hard plot. <laughs> I was just very distracted. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I this plot is fairly easy to follow. Um, I think most of my questions as we we go along will just be about who is this person? How do they exist? <laughs> um, and like what is their purpose? Because that's those are all my questions basically. <laughs> um, okay. That's where I was confused was okay. how people fit into the narrative. But besides that, I thought it was pretty easy to figure out. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, we'll just jump up into the plot then. And, uh, as always, ask your questions. Um, ask your questions as they come up. So, we open in on Earth. They make it very clear that we're on Earth in 1988 with, um, we'll be little baby Peter Quill listening to uh, Come Get Your Love. Or Which... no, what is he listening to in the very... Is he listening to Come Get Your Love in the very beginning? I think so. Okay. Um, which I was going to say, this soundtrack did not have to go off this hard. Oh, yeah. That's the biggest thing about both Guardian soundtracks. It's just like the fucking soundtracks slap. Well, also, this is these are like the only movies that they use like... Like, copyrighted music, right? <laughs> yeah, because that tape is so important to his character, it's all, like, 
the most popular songs basically of the 80s okay yeah that's yeah it's um, so like some good. 70s and stuff mixed in there because like it was given to him by his mom yeah um he's listening on his walkman <laughs> r.i.p walkmans <laughs> Um, his grandfather comes out to get him so he can say goodbye to his mother who is dying of cancer. Um, his mother gives him a present and tells him that his father was an angel and that Peter is just like him. Um, she dies. He freaks the fuck out and goes running outside into a field where he is picked up by an alien spaceship. Which, lots of trauma happening in 30 seconds right yep. there. <laughs> first he really of all, hit the ground running. First of all, rude that they make the kid go say goodbye to his mother while she's dying. That's just mean. Okay, Why to be clear, I don't think they knew she was going to die while he moment. was in the room. I they know. just knew that this was probably going to be the last... Like I think they expected that like see. they'd go home, they'd give him a fucking like kids cuisine, and it'd happen overnight, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I just I feel like letting kids go see their parents when they're like very close to death is like traumatic and should not. I feel like I mean a parent it. dying is traumatic. Period. I like, traumatic. Period. True. And the kid deserves to say to have closure. And yeah. To be fair, and I'm not ever gonna judge anyone based on how they react. I feel like a good chunk of kids would have handled it a tad bit better than uh, Peter Quill. And oh, I, mean, yeah. like, I think they would have stayed within the vicinity bit. of the hospital. And yes. to be fair, I feel like we don't talk about this. What about the grandparents? They just lost their daughter and then suddenly their grandson runs off and is not seen ever again. I know. Exactly. And that's what fucks me up. Like, yeah, it's it's a lot to process. Also, they did the they did the I know she's sick, but they did her so dirty. She looks like Sophia the robot. <laughs> well, it was bad. It's hard to make someone look like they're dying of cancer. I guess, yeah. Uh so we flash forward 26 years. We are now on the planet Morag with the adult Peter Quill, now Star-Lord. Uh, looking for a mysterious orb while still listening to his tape on his Walkman. Bum, bum, come and get bum, your love. Bum, bum, bum. I didn't, me saying come and get your love didn't mean start singing it. <laughs> okay. um, to, a quick, quick question. Does that go for all the songs from here on out? Yes. I'm not going to mention any other songs, so yes. Because um, that's the only one I know for a fact that it comes in there. Okay. okay. Jordan, at the end, if you would like, we can take Yes. 10 minutes and we can just sing whatever songs and I, I, we and I will want. sing every song on the soundtrack I'll do why my are you guys rendition. gonna make me edit that <laughs> i'm joking um, anywho i'll leave it as a, at a voicemail at 5 a.m <laughs> honestly you singing come get your love into my voicemail at 5 a.m would be better than greg miller leaving a voice memo on andy's phone at 5 a.m that just said i am no longer the moth i am a butterfly five times in a whispered tone with no context no context um anyways uh he finds the orb takes it out of its laser enclosure is immediately uh Confronted by Gorath and his henchmen who were sent to find Peter for the Ravengers. Gorath was also in Captain Marvel, but like he's not big in either of these movies, so I don't know what his deal is or if his alliance has changed or not. Um, Gorath is an ally to Ronan, basically. Okay, so his alliance did change, I guess. Yeah. 
it's it's kind of his alliance is always to Ronan and, and just kind of that's his thing. Um Yeah. Anyways. Um Goroth. There's a shootout. Peter makes it to his ship, the Milano, and escapes. Um, his partner slash mentor, Yondu, we find out was the one who um, abducted him. Which, by the way, fucking weird. That that the abductor becomes the mentor? No, they, he took him at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, because at the end, they're like, we were going to eat you. And I was like, yeah, I'm that sorry, everybody what? but Yondu wanted to eat him. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. And like, in what if we're getting uh T'Challa as Star Lord? And in the trailer, there's the line where he, where Yondu goes, What were you doing out there? And he goes, Exploring uh the world. And Yondu goes, Why stop at one world? We can show you all of them. Stop picking up random children from fields. Like, if you were a human, we'd be arresting you. Yeah. Stop picking up random children from fields. Also, are we, like, um, alluding to the fact that these, they're, they eat humans? Like, I mean, (laughs) the Ravengers are weird. (laughs) Also, really quick, I will throw out here because I will forget I love that most people know Sean Gunn from this movie and everybody now is like, oh, I love Sean Gunn. I've known who Sean Gunn was since I was like eight because he's like a main character in Gilmore Girls. And so like, I was excited when he was in this. And like, What? I love that. Yeah. He plays Kirk in Gilmore Girls and he's like the town weirdo and he's basically the comedic relief of Victoria is dying. I know yeah. you can't see us, but like Victoria's dying. I, I was laughing and then started choking. Nice. It was I'm okay now. But yeah, I'm gonna go um, back to blowing my nose though. Okay. Um, but yeah, he he plays Kirk. He's like the town weirdo, and he went from being in like two episodes to a series regular by the end and has like these big storylines, and he's like fucking hilarious in it. Um, and then he was in this and everybody's like, I love Sean Gunn. I'm like, you're all behind on the times. Come on. Not everyone's seen Gilmore Girls, Laren God. No, but it was like one of those weird moments for me where I was like, huh, I know who someone, someone is and like have known about them and like them for longer than other people, which never happens. I'm never that person. That's, that is a weird thing though when that happens. Yeah. Um... Or, like, when people don't remember his name or say, like, James Gunn's brother, it confuses me. Because I'm always, like, like, I don't put it together. And for a long time, when I didn't know who James Gunn was, I would just refer to him as Sean Gunn's brother who directed (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) As well as the live-action Scooby-Doo movies. Sean Gunn was? No, James Gunn wrote and directed those. Oh, oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> those movies are a fucking treasure those movies are really sexist oh. like those movies are incredibly sexist it's been a long time since i've seen them i know they're married now but like having um sarah Freddy michelle Prince geller Jr. 
and Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. being like, "Oh, I can look at myself naked now," is really rapey. It's really rapey. Yeah. That is just no. You're right. What that breaks down to is he's going to look at Daphne's body without her consent, and like it's I super forgot. rapey. I forgot about this part. Let's the let's... way Velma is dressed is a very sexist movie. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, so uh, Yandu calls him and it's like, "You got to give me the orb." Peter tells him he's going to sell it on his own. Um, we cut to the Cree warship, the Dark Aster, where Koroth is uh, reporting to Ronin that he failed. Um, Ronin wants the orb because he wants to trade it to Thanos in exchange for Thanos dest- destroying the planet of Xandar. Uh, Ronan plans to send Nebula after Peter, but Gamora volunteers over Nebula's complaints. Ronan sell- sends Gamora. This is the first time we see that Gamora is the favorite child. Um, not even a secret. Not even a secret. Which, you know, there's a part of me that's like, if you're going to have a favorite kid, at least you're not pretending that it's not. Yeah. True. Like, at least respect. you're not lying. What? I love my kids equally. No, you fucking don't. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, on the planet Xandar, Ronin, on the planet Xandar, Peter takes the orb to a broker and asks what it is because uh, Ronin's goons are after it too. Upon hearing Ronin's name, the broker freaks the fuck out and is like, you gotta leave and I'm closing. Bye. (laughs) Take it. Leave me too. Me too. I'd be like, nope. No more. No, no. Um, he kicks Peter out outside. Gamora uh, crashes into Peter. He, she hits on him for a little bit, attacks him, and takes the orb. Bless. And this was the moment that I went, Gamora is my new favorite MCU character. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that, even though I don't love these movies and I don't rewatch them because like they're just like kind of not my thing, I do love Gamora. No, I she's love great. Her. Um, I also love a character that comes in in the next movie. That is not somebody you would, most people would guess is like one of my faves. I would have thought you found her incredibly annoying. I want to protect her at all costs. She is so small and so innocent and so dumb. And I just want to protect her at all costs. We'll we'll get to it when we watch that movie. (laughs) That's next week. Yes. (laughs) um, Yeah, exactly. You'll see, Victoria, you will know when you see it, you'd be like, I would have thought you would have hated this character, Liren. Anyways. Okay. Um. Nearby, we see Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Uh, they see that there is a bounty on Peter's head, so they want to capture him. Um, we get uh, a great experience of Rocket going, stop drinking from the fountain, and Groot saying, I'm not drinking from the fountain, and Rocket going, I can see you. Why are you lying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is also where we get Stanley's cameo as an old man hitting on a young woman. Uh, Rocket calls him a pervert. I loved Isn't it. Isn't he hitting on an alien, or am I making that up? I mean, she's an alien, but she's a young woman. She's very clearly, like, 20-something. No, no, I just meant, like, you cut out for a minute, but so I didn't know what you said, but, like, is she, like, pink or something, or? No. No. The one in his ship is pink. Got it. Okay. The chick in his ship is pink. And I, the, um, the chick with the collector is also pink. I know that. Yes. Ugh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Someone's got some that whole thing's fucked up. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. Like, whoa. Uh, so, basically, this ensues in this major fight between Peter and Gamora trying to keep possession of the orb while Rocket and Groot are trying to capture Peter in a net. Um, they are all arrested by Nova headquarters and sent to a space prison called the Klin. Which Kiln? then- The Kiln? Then the Klin? this irritated me. They don't what? give Groot a jumpsuit. He doesn't have jail clothes. Well, because he didn't come in in clothes. He's a oh. tree. He never, he doesn't wear clothes until he's baby Groot. They, okay. They didn't yeah. give him clothes because he wasn't, okay. That yeah. makes yeah. sense. They didn't have any clothes to take away. So like they don't have clothes to give. Yeah. When he comes in, you know, with no I, clothes, I wasn't why are you sure going to give him clothes? I wasn't sure if it was just like they didn't want to animate <laughs> Yeah, no. It's just that he doesn't, he doesn't wear clothes. Okay. Yeah. Do you and think I feel he like can when, grow a dick the way he can grow limbs? No, because I don't think they reproduce that way. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think. And so I feel either. like we just had a weird role reversal there. Whoa. No, <laughs> like, that's this my is, question. This <laughs> is the trouble with my brain: is every time we see a character that has offspring or like we know has sex from some way, especially when it's in like superhero movies or fantasy, I'm like, but how? Like, you know, like yeah. Hagrid's parents. Yeah, like how did that work? Because she was a giant and he was a human man. And, and like, it's like, how does that we've work? We've seen full blown giants and they're not just tall people. It's like, no, oh. they're like 10, 20 feet tall. Like, yeah. So I just, I have a lot of questions about that and we never get answers. And there are a lot of times in the MCU that I'm like, but how did this happen? And I'm never given the answers. I think, be I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm going to make a very educated assumption that because Groot's a plant, they have plant sex. Like it's just uh, asexual reproduction. That That's what I was thinking. Well, because- and I feel like when they put clothes on baby Groot, it's not like, oh, to hide his shame. I feel it's just like the way you put clothes on your pet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is cute. Yeah. Uh, also, the way baby Groot even exists- is how I'm like, yeah, it's just like asexual reproduction. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you continue, I'll look it up. There's just a lot of stuff with it that makes me uncomfortable, especially when the aliens come into it, because Peter Quill is like fucking alien women, and it's like, but they don't necessarily have the same genitalia. Though. Yeah. So like, that, I don't that was... like it when Marvel writes in things where I have to question this. So there is a, with with all, this goes for a lot of science fiction, by the way, because you'll see it too, where it's like humans are a little bit dumb, where like we are really bad at drawing things that don't, at creating the idea of like a creature that is not us, unless it's like a very basic shape. and you, Our brains borderline can't do it. Exactly. Unless they're like a circle or like they would be based off another animal to an extent. And like, I'm not just talking about uh, Marvel here, like Star Trek, Star Wars, um, anything that has a lot of aliens in it, you have that issue. And so Star Trek had the um, canon explanation that a lot of people just assume probably works with a lot of others, where the original like pure beings that were like the first people to discover space travel were humanoid shaped. And so tiny bits of them and their genetics are kind of still in all these other aliens. Well, yeah, because that's the whole thing is in Star Trek, all the aliens are played by humans. So 
they have they, to yeah, they, didn't, they didn't have a good effects then to like give them different shapes or stuff yeah um anyways um so uh they're in prison pretty much everyone wants to kill gamora because she is the daughter of the mad titan um including drax the destroyer who has a vendetta against her because ronan killed his wife and daughter um, and he wants to avenge them by taking the life of one of Ronan's family members in return. Um, which I would not call Gamora a family member, but okay. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> Ronan's not going to care, my man. Can we can we talk about that? Like, yes. how, how, how are they related? Um, related. We can't, we, we can't say I know that it's without not. getting into future spoilers. Okay. What do you mean? Uh, How are Ronan and, and Gamora related? They aren't. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant I don't Gamora know. Okay. I don't know Ronan what I'm and asking. Ronan Gamora aren't related. I don't... Did I cut out there? You... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I thought I thought you was asking about um, Gamora and Thanos. No. No. Okay, Ronan sorry. and Gamora aren't related. Yeah. Ronan um, and Gamora aren't. It's why it's dumb that Drax the Destroyer wants to kill, wants to affect Ronan by killing, because Ronan killed Drax's wife and daughter. Okay, we find out why later. I thought it was Jordan. No. (laughs) I think I figured out the question I have. Then it's not. It's not about Ronan, Gamora, and Nebula. Are they? Actually, they're not related in any way. Okay, really quick, because everybody's confused. (laughs) And none of this is spoilers. This is all explained in this movie. We have Thanos, right? We got Thanos here. I got that. Thanos adopted two daughters. Where he got them doesn't matter yet. We have Gamora. We have Nebula. They are Thanos' adopted They're daughters. adopted. They okay, are not that's all related I need. to him in any way. And they are not no related one to each other. This, and they're not related to each other. No one on this board I'm about to make are related. Okay, that's fine. I got, okay, then I'm good. We don't need any more. I have to explain something to Jordan now. <laughs> Separately from Thanos, Nebula, and Gamora, we have Ronan. Now, what has been established in this movie through Drax's exposition is that Thanos and Ronan have been going around murdering half of the population on different planets drax's wife and daughter were killed by ronin he finds out in this movie that they were killed by ronin on thanos's orders so at the end of this movie he has shifted from wanting to kill one of ronin's family members to wanting to kill thanos but it's because he finds out ronin was doing it for thanos not ronin just did it but when we meet him he thinks that Ronan, just for whatever fucking reason, killed his wife and daughter in this attack on his planet. And so to get back at Ronan, he wants to kill a member of Ronan's family because he somehow doesn't realize that the little green one and the blue Cree man aren't related. <laughs> it's like, tracks, my man, come on. Listen, listen. I don't know if they teach art theory in space, so maybe Drax isn't familiar with the color wheel You can still see it, unless he is colorblind, which is never established. He can still say they're different. In this this hypothetical, where he doesn't know if Gamora and Ronan are actually related, he doesn't know who Gamora's mom is, and if she's a different color, and in his dumb mind, he might think blue and something make green. 
But then we're getting into the, it's, it's established that Gamora looks like a member of her alien species. They do that when they go into the kiln, the kiln and Ronan is Kree. Gamora's not Kree. Like at all. Fair enough. Like, Again, Drax isn't dumb. supposed to be smart. It's like Drax is dumb Drax is what is I'm getting at. Drax is incredibly dumb, yeah. He's incredibly unintelligent and people confuse him being literal with him being intelligent. He is both dumb on on certain things and both literal which isn't necessarily he dumb. He is literal and dumb because those two things don't intelligence and being literal do not have to go hand in hand. They are ex, they can be exclusive of each other. He just happens to have both. Oh god. Also his <laughs> makeup makes me uncomfortable because the way his veins pop out look like a weird penis. Oh, yeah, his his makeup's gross in this. It's terrifying. It's, I don't like it. Yeah, it like made me uncomfortable. Um. Anyways, uh, Gamora explains again. She is not related to Ronan. Ronan didn't kill his family on you know his of his own volition. He was doing it for Thanos, and that she planned on double crossing them anyways. Um, Peter argues in Gamora's favor because Peter still wants to fuck. Meanwhile, at Sanctuary, uh, Ronan reports to Thanos that Gamora is a traitor. A traitor. Thanos tells him to take care of her and gets the orb. He also notes that Gamora is his favorite daughter, angering his other daughter, Nebula. Which, like, um, fair. Like, that'd be pissed off to anyone. Valid. Like, valid, my man. Especially what we learn about Nebula movie as we move forward in the yeah. movies. Fair. <laughs> it's also, like, he doesn't say it in private and she overhears. It's like, dude, I'm right here. Why yeah. Why am I here, then? Like, you didn't have to take me. I don't have to be here. I'll be you upstairs in my room choice. pretending I don't exist. Literally, you <laughs> made that choice, my man. Um... Back at the prison, Gamora has planned to sell the orb to someone else. Peter, Rocket, and Groot agree to help and split the reward. Rocket has to plan an escape from prison. He needs a wrist device from one of the guards, a battery from the tall column in the prison, and another prisoner's prosthetic leg. Um, As he explains, it's very important to take the battery last. Groot grabs it first. Uh, the alarms go off and security droids fly in. Uh, Gamora gets a wrist device as Peter negotiates for the prisoner's leg. Which... Also, in this scene, I do know which song is playing. It's Hooked on a Feeling. It I, is. I was going to say this scene has the best line of all time, which is Peter just going, leg, and then running. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Drax decides, decides to join the escape, realizing that eventually Ronan will go after Gamora and he can kill Ronan himself. Everyone gets at the item they agreed to get. They all make it to the guard station near the top of the prison. Rocket is surprised that Peter actually got the leg and says that he was only kidding and he doesn't actually need it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh my god, I love that so much. I love... It's just, it's so fun. <laughs> Um, just as it seems they have run out of time, Rocket rigs up the, uh, battery and the wrist device to turn off the gravity in the prison and to use the security droid droids as jets to fly the guard station out of the prison. Which, this. okay, it's something I didn't think about, like, universe-wise, that, like, you gravity wouldn't exist. Oh. Yeah. I- I didn't think about this, how, like, universe-wise, that gravity would not exist on- other planets and so they just make gravity 
there's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) Well, that also gets into the whole thing of for sci-fi and things like this, we all just pretend that other planets have the same gravitational pull as Earth. Which is a plot point that they don't. Which, while we're on the topic of universe, because I've said this before, how, like, it takes a lot for me to be somewhere not Earth. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a lot for me to unpack, and this is usually, like, why I don't like movies like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's clouds, and that doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) On Nova? Yes. So Nova? I think so. Nova's the planet they're in on the very beginning. They're yes. on the very beginning. Yes. Or okay, Xander. Yes. It's Xandar. the Nova live yeah. on Xander. Yes. Um, Xandar is very similar to Earth. It's okay. supposed to be, it, it falls in that probability that realistically in in space and all that kind of crap, there is a planet that resembles Earth and its gravitational pull, its climate, all that kind of crap. And the idea is that Xander is a lot like Earth, except it is perfect. It's more advanced, too. Okay. Yeah, it's more advanced. It's, like, more of a utopia than Earth. Okay. Um, the other planets that have clouds that mimic Earth's clouds also get on my nerves, and the fact that every planet anyone from any MCU movie ever visits has the exact same gravitational pull as Earth. Uh, yeah. Which is not how planets work, but okay. Um, um. Anyway. <laughs> I... There's a lot there. But that all I'm... planets would have a gravity. It's just spaceships need artificial gravity and space stations. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically not all planets have gravity. Plan- all planets have gravitational pull because Pulls, of how yeah. magnetics works, but not all planets have a hard land that you could actually stand on or um, gravita- strong gravitational pulls to yeah. said ground. Fair enough. Um, and then moons don't have gravity. True. Yeah, because moons don't have atmospheres, so they just be they're bouncy. just rocks. What? They just be bouncy places. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many times that Jordan says something where he's technically not wrong. <laughs> um. Anyways. Uh, where was I? As they escape, Peter leaves the others, telling Rocket he left something behind. He runs back to uh, get his Walkman and his tape back from the guard that was taunting him earlier. Um, Yondu goes. I'm sorry, you're fine. Um, Yondu goes to his broker, uh, on Xandar. Xandar, and finds out that Peter still has the orb. Um, we cut back to Peter's ship to find out, um, where they all decide to get to know each other better, and they all hate each other, and they just yell at each other for a solid two minutes. Um. They're a lot like a family on Thanksgiving. Yes. Aww. Um, soon they arrive at Nowhere, a space station built into the severed head of a former godlike being to meet with the Collector. What? Nothing. Oh. You made a face. Um, <laughs> as they wait for their appointment with the collector, Drax, Rocket, and Groot get drunk and gamble. Peter and Gamora bond, and Peter and Gamora bond over music. He explains that his mom made him the mixtape of all of her favorite songs. Uh, she listens and likes it. 
He asks her to dance. She says she doesn't trust him. He says, uh, and then he, he compares himself to Kevin Bacon in Footloose. And I hate it. <laughs> Remember that that happened because there's going to be a line later on that you are going to enjoy that is born out of this moment. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he talks about an old fable about people who didn't dance called Footloose. Uh, he makes a pass at her and we get one of my favorite lines in the movie where she basically says, uh, I'm not one of those, uh, I'm not one of those doe-eyed girls like all the other ones you're used to and I won't fall at your feet for your pelvic, uh, maneuvers, maneuvers or something like that. Pelvic sorcery, like, no, I think, I think it's maneuvers. Yeah. Um, which is, I love, (laughs) um, before they can meet with the Collector, Drax, Rocket, and Groot all drunk get into a big fight. Uh, Drax thinks Groot is dumb, and Rocket is tired of people calling him a rodent. Because, again, he is not an Earth raccoon. He is an alien species that just happens to look like an Earth raccoon. Which is also a lot for me oh, to see, unpack. I didn't, know if it, I didn't know if it was that clear. I just knew that he did not know what he was, and that he had never seen a raccoon before. No, it's that he's, I can check, but I'm 99% sure that what it is, is that he is a, um... He's an alien that just looks a lot like raccoon. Like a raccoon in the Which, comics. Yeah, and then, like, there's the end credit scene with a duck. That's Howard that, the Duck. That's Howard we'll the there. Duck. Yeah, while Laren looks this up. That's a Marvel thing. We'll talk uh, about it later. Right, while Laren looks this up. <laughs> Howard the Duck is this really weird like niche character that like it's a it's basically he's like space deadpool he's gross he obnoxious he has lots of guns and in this movie he's voiced by self seth green which is fucking fantastic and like they just did this as a little nod because one of the worst movies in marvel histories was a 1980s version of howard the duck where he's not even in space he's on earth i'm pretty sure it's a george lucas movie as well and it's a fucking fever dream oh should we like Get intoxicated and watch that. <laughs> Please. Hang on, give me one second here. <laughs> Jordan's ready. <laughs> what, is it literally just called Howard the Duck? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my Howard god. Howard the Duck, nineteen eighty. Oh my god! No, never mind. This animation's terrifying. I can't watch this. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> Leah Thompson's in it. <laughs> Yes. Does that bring you back in? Can you get past the animation now? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I might have to be really drunk. Okay, so I got what it is. It's He is a raccoon, but he doesn't know what a raccoon is because he is... In the comics, there is... Uh, an abandoned colony for the mentally ill where they make these animal animal companions and they genetically mutate them to be of human level of intelligence to be companions to like the mentally ill in this colony. Um, because in the comics, it is heavily implied that Rocket Raccoon has a severe case of OCD. Um, it's like a whole thing. He was inspired by a Beatles song. Good. Rocky Raccoon. That's why in the comics, his first mate on his ship is named Wal Russ. <laughs> why do you look confused? You you get what I'm saying, right? No, no, I do. Yeah, yeah. That took a second. I was like, oh. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And he, you know, he's the guardian of the Keystone Quadrant. Not the Keystone State, which I accidentally say a lot. Anyways. Um, Fascinating character. He's something. Um, Anyways, Peter talks all three of them out of fighting. Uh, They are finally met by the collector's assistant, and they go to meet the collector. Uh, Drax goes off on his own to make a call. The collector, played by Benedicto, Benicio del Toro. Benicio del Toro. Thank you. I never know how to say that man's name. I wouldn't have known. He's, he's great in this role. It's like the right level of unnerving. Yeah. Um, he has a giant assortment of collectibles, including many from the Marvel Universe, Howard the Duck, Cosmo, the Soviet space dog. Um, yeah. Uh, the collector puts the orb into a kind of lathe which unscrews to uh, the two halves of the orb to reveal an infinity stone. The collector explains that the infinity stone is an all-powerful thing. There are more of them, and they can destroy planets. Uh, the collector's assistant suddenly grabs the stone. The infinity stone is poisoning her, and, she, and, and then she and everything in the area blow up. Most of the people survive, including Cosmo the Soviet space dog. Um, Peter and the others manage to escape with the orb, hold, orb holding the Infinity Stone. They decide the safest place is to take the stone to Nova HQ. It's too dangerous to go anywhere else. Yeah. Um, Which, like, while we mention them, the the Nova Corps, are they like, like the government? <laughs> they're like space cops. Yeah. And they mainly okay. work on Xander, but they also work outside. The Nova Corps are basically like Marvel's versions of the Green Lanterns almost. See, I was going to say just, that, but I didn't know Victoria knew enough about the Green Lanterns. No offense. I, I don't. It's also a lot like the Kree. Okay. Um, They're just like, you know, they're big into order. That's part of their whole thing. I have the hiccups. I'm so sorry. Um, They're big into order and like... in space cops um it's just who they are as a people okay um i kind of like yeah. got the gist of it but i needed somebody to say it to me <laughs> yeah um i also always forget that john c Riley's in this movie oh my <laughs> god yeah mm-hmm. which like great casting i know um as they are trying to get back to peter's ship to go to nova hq the group is ambushed by Ronan and his cronies. They find out that the call that Drax left to go make was uh, to call Ronan because he got tired of waiting. He was waiting for at max two hours. <laughs> Which, like, just insan, pure insanity. Yep. Um, so he was tired of waiting to face Ronan, so he told Ronan where they were. Uh, Yondu and the Ravengers also show up. Um... Gamora, Rocket, and Peter take off in single passenger ships while Nebula and some of Ronin's little cronies chase after them. Drax tries to fight Ronin, but gets beaten up. He basically gets his shit rocked. Um, Ronin says he doesn't even remember killing Drax's family, nor will he remember killing Drax now. Which, as far as lines before a, a murder go, chef's kiss, great one. Yeah, like fantastic, but never gets old at the same time. It's so that's such a good way to fuck with your victim when you know that your victim's main reason for wanting to fight you and like what's been driving them to live for the past few years is that you killed their family. 
Even if it's not true, fuck yeah. Like, yeah. Good line, I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. I kill lots of people. Yeah. Um, Nebula chases Gamora's ship above the atmosphere and blows it up. Uh, Nebula gets the Infinity Stone and leaves Gamora floating in space to die. Which is probably the other reason that I don't like this movie, because that is my worst fucking nightmare. Yeah, this was also very, like, I was like, okay, I don't happening. like space. Same. I don't um, like space. Gravity, when that movie came out, I was like, why would I go see this? This is just my nightmare made into a movie. Oh, no, space I is incredibly remember- scary, but I love space. Like, I like space when things go right there's um a very terrifying episode of the new twilight zone where they go to space and they hear on the radio that there's like an invasion and like everyone died while they're getting shot out into space and they're like that's it like why would we go back to earth or this is it like this is all we have yeah i hate it (laughs) just my thing is, I don't Ugh. like that humans are like, let's do space travel, because that's the beginning of time. We have been given content on why space travel isn't necessarily a good idea. I I don't think we need it. No. Yeah. Uh, they chase Gamora shit. Uh, he, Peter realizes that he can't let Gamora die. Can you hear the child screaming, Mom? No. no. Fantastic. Good. Uh, so Peter realizes he can't allow Gamora to die, so he calls Yondu to tell him where he is, leaves his ship, floats out to Gamora, and gives her his mask to keep her alive. Yondu arrives and um, pulls both Peter and Gamora in through a tractor beam right before they would have died. Um, this is where we see that Yondu's ship is the same ship that abducted Peter as a child. Meanwhile, on board the Dark Aster... Ronan tells Thanos that now he Ronan has the Infinity Stone, he can cut Thanos out of the deal. Instead, he will destroy Xandar himself and then go after Thanos. He puts the Infinity Stone into his hammer. Tip to all villains out there. If there is somebody bigger than you on the playground, don't play your fucking hand. It's also like he's known across the universe as Thanos, the, the mad, mad titan. titan. You weren't just Ronan, the accuser. You point your finger out and accuse. <laughs> He's a mad titan. Maybe, maybe take, maybe take <clears throat> being second place. Also, your hammer <laughs> is the length of one of his arms. Yeah. Your main weapon is smaller than him. Relax. He just thinks now that he has the. Have we clarified which Infinity Stone it is? I don't want to accidentally spoil if we're not supposed to know. No, because we don't find out until the end, right? Got it. Okay. But now that he has an Infinity Stone, it's just like he thinks he's like, you know, the fucking big dick in the locker room over here and can do whatever he wants. And it's like, dude, relax. Yeah. Sorry if you don't like that expression. No, no. That I'm as always. Oh, I was going to say that's accurate, though. Thank you. As always, keep your dick in your pants. Oh, you have now been in a men's locker room then, because you reach a certain point where you do not. Like an Anyways. Um, Any guy out there knows what I'm talking about. Now on board the Milano. Oh, no. Wait. On Yondu's ship, Yondu's going to kill Peter for double-crossing him, but he doesn't uh, when Peter says he has a plan to get the orb back. We cut back to nowhere. We ask Victoria. Can can I ask y- Yondu's head? <laughs> His mohawk? Yeah. What? 
even. It, it's a fin that controls his weapon. The you know the arrow that he uses when he whistles? That's mm-hmm. what controls it. And it's the That's coolest like fucking basically thing. an antenna for it. Oh my god. Yeah. That's Wait, why I he love wears that. It. Yeah. Oh, I'd love it so much. Um To be fair, in the comics, I think he has just a legit mohawk and they went, That's stupid. Let's give it a purpose. And, and what what planet is he from? Like Kansas. Um what? Kansas. <laughs> I don't know. They don't say. <laughs> Um, or do they not tell us? That's fine if they don't tell us. Or should better should I say what species alien race is he? He's a centurion, <laughs> according to the MCU wiki. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, see, because he's blue, and then Ronan's blue, and that threw me off. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, why they've got have people that are the same color? There's only so many colors out there. Yeah, but it's confusing to me because I'm dumb. <laughs> yeah, he's the last survivor of his race. And he's a okay. member so of So he's not Basically, I just wanted tribe. I basically just needed confirmation that he was not Cree. Mhm. Okay. No, he is not Cree. Okay. Um yeah, so uh we cut back to nowhere where Drax, Groot, and Rocket join forces to find um, Peter and Gamora and save them from Yondu. They fly the Milano to Yondu's ship and threaten to blow it up with a special weapon Rocket built unless Yondu releases Peter and Gamora. Peter emerges from the crowd aboard Yondu's ship and persuades Rocket he doesn't need to be rescued. Now aboard the Milano, uh, Peter explains that they must prevent Ronan from tr- touching the Infinity Stone to the ground of Xander, which will wipe out the planet, and that he has a plan to stop Ronan. The others ask Peter if he really has a plan, or is he lying? He says he is part of a plan. After much, dis- much discussion, discussion, he says that he is 12% of a plan, uh, and there's a whole scene where they make fun of him, and I think at the end it says that he ha- he admits that he is like 9% of a plan. Um, Yeah. To convince them that they should fight Ronan, even though there's a very high chance they will die in the process, Peter points out that they've already lost so much that at this point they have nothing left to lose. Um, Peter warns the Nova HQ that Ronan is coming to destroy them and they should get ready, um, telling them that they should believe his message because he's not an asshole or Dick. I don't remember what she said. Dick, because they um, they say that. I think they call him a dick earlier in the movie, like John C. Riley's character does. The 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 quote was something like, "He's not an asshole, not one hundred percent a dick," mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. It, they say both of them. Well, so I know but asshole <laughs> as a is a joke in the movie when like they finally like they're like, "Are we gonna do it or not?" And Rocket goes, "There we are. We're a bunch of assholes standing in a circle," which I fucking love as a oh uh, yeah, but <laughs> I love that so, too. <laughs> I'll find it. Don't worry. I'll find out the full quote. Okay. Well, um, Rocket's idea is to blow a hole in Ronan's ship so that Peter, Groot, Drax, and Gamora can board it. Gamora is going to cut the power to the security and they're going to blow him up with the cannon that Rocket made. Uh, They begin the plan. Rocket blows a hole in the Dark Aster and then helps Yondu and his men defeat Xander, uh, defend Xander, against Ronan's fighter ships. Yondu is shot down on the ground, uh, told to sur- surrender. He instead uses his arrow weapon to take out an entire platoon in one of the dopest scenes in the MCU. 
in oh all God. of cinema. Arguably. It's just that weapon is so goddamn cool. It's yeah. just the way it just it goes one to the next to the next to the next and it doesn't miss a beat. Oh, no. It's like as far as the I weapons don't... go, it's like you have all the infinity stones, Yondu's arrow. <laughs> Wait, okay. Wait, four of the infinity stones. Yandu's arrows, the next two infinity stones. Wait, did you see, speaking of the infinity stones, did you see when those tweets were going around that was like, my bank account, $1,400, and then it said, me at the jewelry store, give me all the infinity stones. Uh, so on the Dark Aster, we see Gamora and Nebula get into a fight. Uh, while that's going on, Drax, Peter, and Groot go, uh, to the head of the ship. Dozens of Nova ships link together to form a giant net and slow the descent of the Dark Aster. Gamora finally beats Nebula, who falls, landing on a Ravager ship and commandeers it, throwing the pilot of the ship out the window and flying away. Ronan orders his ships to kamikaze into Xandar. Uh, Rocket and Yondu's men shoot as many of the ships down as they can. Almost to the bridge, Drax kills Korath. Uh, Groot grows a long, thin branch to impale a bunch of people, and an also a great moment. Also iconic. And then he swings them, and he just goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. fucking whipping them around. Um. I just yeah. spit all over my computer screen in case anyone cared. It happens. I got so excited about Groot swinging the people around. Um, everyone makes it to the bridge to fight Ronin. Again, he is too strong for them, but Peter manages to shoot Ronin with Rocket Super Cannon. It does nothing. Uh, Rocket crashes the Milano into the bridge and seems to have destroyed Ronin. The entire ship plummets towards Xander, so Groot forms a giant nest around all of them for safety in what is a very, very sweet scene. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's so cute. Rocket is upset because he knows what Groot is doing will end up killing him. Groot, who up to this point has only said, I am Groot, responds with, we are Groot. Which made me cry. <laughs> Groot is pure. <laughs> Groot is just so pure. Um, the ship crashes. Everyone except Groot is okay. Groot is a big pile of twigs. Uh, the battle is not over because Ronan is still alive. He sarcastically calls Peter and his crew the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, as he raises his hammer for a final blow, Quill stands up and starts to dance to the song Ooh, Ooh Child and challenges Ronan to a dance-off. <laughs> Ronan asks what he's doing. Peter responds, distracting you, as Drax and Rocket shoot Ronan's hammer at Ronan, releasing the Infinity Stone. Peter grabs the Infinity Stone before Ronan. Peter starts to be affected in the same way as we saw the Collector's assistant be affected. Holding on to the, uh, holding on to the stone will kill him, um, so Gamora says, take my hand. He flashes back to when he didn't have enough courage to take his mother's hand, and he now grabs Gamora in my least favorite part of this fucking movie, because that is so stupid. It yeah. is right up there with, you're letting him kill Martha, why did you say that name? <laughs> it is right up there with that that's a dc batman v superman reference but it's such a stupid scene to be like i, I didn't grab my mother's hand when she was dying of cancer like it's so yeah, I feel like putting I, it out there is really obnoxious i feel like if you had just noticed those parallels yeah let the yeah. audience do it like 
Yeah, I feel like they, it was. It could have been subtle, yeah. and just we didn't have to see her again. I was like, okay, yeah, like we didn't, we didn't need that element of it, my man. Like, didn't need yeah. the visual. Unless you had seen like a bunch Peter. of other things from his past, like implying that that was like a side effect of the stone. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, not. It's just, just him having a moment. Yeah. Um, so then everybody holds hands together and the power of the infinity stone is spread among them. It's so um, funny when, when Rocket goes to hold it just cause he's so tiny. <laughs> I know. His tiny little raccoon hands. Tiny little hand grabbing onto, uh, Drax. I love raccoon hands. Dra- so humong- humongous yeah. Drax, tiny little raccoon hand. Tiny raccoon and he's hands. just like, here I am. <laughs> I love raccoons. I love them so much. They're tiny little (laughs) hands. Um, And this is the other reason I don't like this movie is because at the end of the day, the bad guys are defeated by the power of friendship. That's fair. It's very much played off like that, yeah. It's very corny. (laughs) They kill Ronan, and then Rocket runs around collecting all the sticks that were once Groot. Um, Yondu appears and demands the stone per his original deal with Peter. Peter hands him the orb. As Yondu and his men take off, one of them notes that he likes Peter and he's glad they didn't take him uh, back to his dad like they were supposed to all those years ago. Um, that answers your question from the beginning. But that's not what happens. My issue is that we show that even if he didn't, Yondu is still picking up little kids. And also, once again, that they wanted to eat him. That's the scariest part for me. Yeah, that's the other thing is that they were supposed to give him back to his father and first instead went, let's eat him. And then Yandu went, let's do neither. Let me raise him. Yeah. Like, which there's a lot. As much as I genuinely like the character, and I actually think he's very good. If, when Yandu is the voice of reason, you may have gone a little awry. A little too far. Um, Gamora's upset that Peter gave up the stone. He reveals that he switched the orbs and he still has the one with the stone in it. Uh, at Nova HQ, they turn over the orb that contains the Infinity Stone and Peter learns that he is only half human and half something ancient and unknown. They speculate that his non-human genes allowed him to hold on to the Infinity Stone without dying. There's a party on Yondu's ship. His crew is celebrating, but Yondu looks suspiciously at the orb and then decides to open it. It's a troll doll. He laughs. I loved it. <laughs> uh, Peter finally opens the present his mom gave him before she died. It's a cassette labeled Awesome Mixtape Number 2. He asks the Guardians where they want to go. Uh, Gamora says, you lead, Star-Lord. Um, they have a whole little back and forth about whether or not they're going to do something good or something bad before landing on doing both. Also, they have a they have like a party. Yeah. Yeah, we got that. Did we? Did yeah. we say that? That's when the troll I don't. Came up. Yeah. Is that that party? The Ravengers had a party, and that's when Yondu. Came oh, out. the Ravengers had a party. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Guardians don't have a party. That wasn't. <laughs> there was not a definitive. And the ships start. look very similar. I also, I also, I also like that in Victoria's mind, she thought this movie was like Return of the Jedi, where like there was a party for everyone at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. I love that Jordan and I keep using examals, though, of, of other things stuff Victoria, Victoria has never know. seen. 
It, no, it's okay. Um, I get but, to learn about pop culture. <laughs> uh, we see Rocket holding a pot in which he has stuck the stick that uh, he retrieved after Groot's sacrifice. We can see the face of a tiny Groot on the stick. And the end credits roll as Michael Jackson's... Uh, the Jackson I want fives. you back. I want Jackson you back. Five. The Jackson Fives, I, I want, want you back, plays. And he, he he's dancing. And every time Drax pot. looks up, he stops. Oh my God, I loved it. When, um, it's so cute. When I was working at GameStop, we sold a baby group that like went into your cup holder and like had yeah. USB ports for your phone. And it was, yeah. I think it was, and I think they had an R2D2 one as well because it was like labeled as like your companions, like in your car. Yeah. I know. I remember it. I kind of wanted one, even though I had never seen this movie. <laughs> oh, Baby Groot was the most marketable thing. The, the amount of people I've heard, they're like, I love Baby Groot, and I've never seen this movie. It's yeah. like it's like Baby Yoda. I yeah, mean, I love yeah. Baby Yoda. I love Baby Yoda. I've never seen any Star Wars. <laughs> James Gunn actually made a comparison about those two today, because in the trailer for uh, his Suicide Squad movie, people are obsessed with King Shark. And they're saying that he's cute. And he goes, the thing is, we did the inverse of what you do for characters that are supposed to be cute. It's like we gave him a, a a small head, not a big head. We gave him small eyes, not big eyes. A big mouth, not a small mouth. And yet people still find him adorable. And he literally listed those Which, three things. Why? why did they find him adorable? Why do they find King Shark adorable? I don't know. But yeah, he literally said those three things. And then in put like baby Groot slash baby Yoda. No, that's true. If you're trying yeah. to animate something that you want to be unthreatening and, um, like, seen as cute, you generally draw big eyes and, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. Then we get our end credit scene where the Collector is sitting in the wreckage drinking when Cosmo, the Soviet space dog, comes up and licks his face. We hear a voice say that that's gross. The camera turns and reveals Howard the Duck sitting on a broken cage drinking as well. And the movie ends. Yay. Um it's chaos. Does anybody have any ending comments before I hop into some fun facts? Um I have two fun this, facts today if you don't have them on your list, which is fun. Th this movie I used to I wanted to see this movie like before I ever wanted to see like like all the Marvel. That, that's the, is, that, is that it's so removed from the rest both in just like the tone and the style as well as like literally the continuity as well but like it, I you, you i could show this movie to someone who's never seen another mcu movie and they'd be like cool like yeah you know what i mean but the, i i don't think they're unconnected i think you can watch it without having watched all the movies that came before but they're not i don't want to say they're not connected because like if you know what an infinity stone is or you've seen thor 2 it's like yes but what i mean is like you don't have to have seen anything that took place in any of the movies before it to understand this yeah um good no i lost my train of thought okay i'm sorry <laughs> um so fun facts um Dave Batista burst into tears when he found out he got the role. Oh, um, that's cute. Vin Diesel <laughs> did all of his lines that were in different languages, so he recorded "I Am Groot" in English, Jordan, and Russian. Jordan told me this the yeah, other day <laughs> in Mandarin, Spanish, Portuguese, German, and French, so that they could use his real Which voice. Which makes me really just want to hear what Vin Diesel speaking Mandarin sounds like. Listen to it on Disney Plus. You can change the language. 
Jordan's eyes just got so big for everybody listening. Um, the scene where Peter drops the orb during the collector scene was initially believed by the director James Gunn to be an unscripted blooper, but Chris P- Pratt stayed in character the entire time, so he left it in the film. Later on, it was revealed that Chris Pratt intentionally dropped it because he thought it would be funnier and that it was better to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Good. Yeah. Didn't tell him for months because when they recorded the commentary on the DVD, James Gunn still believed it was an accident. And he like, so like, I feel like he intended on telling him and then realized that James Gunn was just so happy that it was like an accident that turned good. He's like, I don't want to break his heart. Yeah. I feel like Chris Pratt really sometimes just goes too far. I mean, yes, but this is not an example of going too far. All male actors at some point do something where they're like, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, yeah. With this, I'll let it slide, because this was harmless. Um, Chris Pratt apparently stole his Star Lord costume from set for the sole purpose of he wanted to be able to go to hospitals dressed up as Star Lord, and Marvel had to explain to him why he had to bring the costume back. So like, um, we'll provide it when you do the hospital visits, my guy. Also, you don't need to be in costume to go to the hospital, my man. You don't go dressed as a fucking Lego. <laughs> True. Just saying. Don't take things but that wait, people feel, are going to panic like where they everything went. Everything I've seen of like the character of like MCU actors visiting kids in hospitals, a good chunk of them are in costume. They're they're always in costume. Yeah. It depends on like the visit on whether or not if they're going because Disney did it. And Disney set it up, they're in costume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Places like Make-A-Wish or other charities are just sending in the actor because now Chris Pratt has been in three franchises that kids love. You know, it gets into a different place. My thing is, a PA definitely got in trouble when he stole the costume. Yeah. Because it was their job to make sure that the costume got back to the archives. And, like, don't get other people in trouble. Like... Especially yeah. because, if nothing else, that we've learned from Robert Downey Jr. is if you bother them enough that you want it, eventually they'll give you at least part of it. If you yeah. bother them enough with anything, they'll just kind of let it slide. Same with hiding snacks on set. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Vin Diesel said the perform- his performance as Gru helped him deal with the death of Paul Walker. Okay. And I quote, I had recently lost my best friend. It was the first time I came back to dealing with human beings after dealing with his death. So playing a character that celebrates life in the way that Groot does was very nice and really helped me. I'm not going to judge how someone else grieves. You know what? Neither am I. It's just one of those things that Vin Diesel says in interviews where you're like, okay. All right, buddy. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, after uh, his initial meeting with Chris Pratt, James Gunn was um, ready to offer him the role, even if Chris Pratt did not lose the weight or get in shape in time. James Gunn even joked that he would CGI a six-pack onto Chris Pratt's body. However, Pratt asked uh, Fahey that they give him six months to lose the 50 pounds, and he ended up being able to lose 60. I think Peter could have been a little chubby. I think it still would have worked. It's more that he needs to be able to 
do certain no. things. Yeah, to run around. I get it. Because that's the big thing is that, like, when you'll see, like, Zoe Saldana and, like, Robert Downey Jr. and these people who don't do, like, these crazy stunts or aren't shirtless all the time, like Chris Evans and, and Chris Hemsworth, they still have to go through the training because they need to be able to run and they need to be able to jump and they need to be able to fall without hurting themselves and, like, lift a certain amount. It's more of a safety thing, too. Yeah. No, yeah, I get they that. I'm just saying. What's, like, a sta- air quotes standard thing in in these types of movies and suddenly straining themselves. Yeah, I don't think he needed a six pack. Is I guess no. what I'm saying. No, but he got one anyway. Is fucked up. Well, because yeah. he now had Marvel money backing him and could get steroids. Oh yeah, is really what this story is. Is he had access to steroids now, where on Moneyball and Zero Dark Thirty he wouldn't have. You mean NBC didn't give him steroids for Parks and Rec? <laughs> um, no, there's fed him bread and beer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's realistically what it is, is he had access to one of the richest companies in the world and the trainers that they could hire and the steroids that they could give him and they dehydrated him on set and all that crap. And that's Hollywood, baby. Truly it is. I mean, it's why you get into all the shit that you've gotten into with Oscar Isaac and Jason Momoa and the kid from the Maze Runner movies and Zac Efron. What about Kumail now, too? Who, the fact that he's pretending he's not on steroids is fucking ridiculous, my man. Like, you clearly are. Yeah, you can't work out a jaw. No. No. You can't work out definition like that. You're either not eating and doing this crazy cutting diet to maintain it, or you're using steroids. And, like, it is what it is. And it's why you'll see these MCU and DC and other, like, action heroes that they do their movies and they're ripped. And then I'll use Jason Momoa as an example because he's a great example. He filmed Justice League and Aquaman. He was on his diet and his training and probably steroids for that. Um, and he, so he had a six pack and really well-defined pecs and really well-defined arms. And then, yeah, I don't. (laughs) Jordan's like, yes, yes, daddy. (laughs) He's everything like super well-defined. And then six months after Aquaman came out, paparazzi pictures of him on the beach came out and he didn't have any of that because he's not working out. He still had the muscle mass. And they called it a dad bod. And it's like, it just, Mm -hmm. it was the same body without as much definition. The th- it was, yeah. It's the same body without definition. The it's things the same I would way that you- do for the body that they were saying was a dad bot, like, geez. I know, people are ridiculous. It's just because it's big without definition and people assume because people don't understand that every athlete and every action hero movie star is on steroids with the exception of like Robert Downey Jr., Don Cheadle, Mark Ruffalo, they're not doing steroids. They had to get in shape, but they weren't doing steroids. They didn't need to. Yeah. Um, they're in suits the entire time, or like Mark Ruffalo's CGI. And like they usually don't give steroids to the women because steroids can really fuck up uh your reproductive system. Yeah. Um, and for men, it will go back to normal. For women, not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not a risk they can fairly. It's take. also like I'm not saying this is a good thing, but it's like women in these movies aren't expected to have, you know, biceps the size of like a kid's They're not expected to have, women in general are not expected to be as cut. They are expected to have ab definition and that's really it. Like they're expected to have their abs very defined, their butts very defined and like kind of their shoulders, but that just kind of comes with the territory very defined. And then everything else is supposed to be strong, but not big. Yeah. Um, 
I'm curious what Natalie Portman's doing with those arms. Well, she has to actually be <laughs> Thor, so. I know. They're still not going to cut her because people don't find that attractive, but that's a whole thing. The reason women's arms aren't defined isn't that it's harder for women's arms to become defined. It's that men don't find women with cut arms like that attractive. Uh, yeah. Have you speaking. seen people fucking freak out about The Last of Us Part Two? Yeah. Or, like, people who freak out and call female bodybuilders, like, freaks of nature and all that kind of crap, even though they're doing the exact same thing that their male counterparts are doing and that men try to emulate, but whatever. It doesn't fit in with femininity. That was more yeah. air quotes for audio listeners. There's all... Yeah. all you're only audio listeners. What the fuck am I talking about? Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Anyways. Do you have uh, more facts? I do. Okay, sweet. Um... Bradley Cooper reveals in an interview with Howard Stern that he made more money off voicing Rocket Raccoon in this movie than he made from The Hangover and Silver Linings Playbook combined. I I thought that that was going to end with all three Hangover movies combined. Like that no, was going to be No, just the sentence. first one, just The Hangover. Cuz The Hangover was the most popular. The, the, the best was the most one, popular yeah. Yeah. And the best. Silver Linings Playbook, which he was nominated for an Oscar for. Combined with The Hangover, which is one of the highest grossing movies of all time. It's in, like, the top 30. I would love to see the comparison now uh, between A Star is Born and this. Yeah. Because I'm sure he's I'm... crazy backdoor on A Star is Born. Oh, yeah. Do you imagine well, he has to he... have some royalties on Infinity War and Endgame now? But yeah. didn't... Okay, Star A Star is Born, didn't he produce... Produce it and or direct directed it? it, didn't he? Didn't he produce and direct? He might I have done was, both. I thought he produced, directed, and starred in. He did a lot, whatever it was. Part of me wanted to be did, like, didn't he write it too? And I was like, wait, no, it's like a movie that's been written a hundred no, times. No, yeah, it's been it's, out since the fifties. He did not write yeah, it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was produced and directed by Bradley Cooper in his directorial debut. debut yeah, so Star I'm sure. I'm sure he made bank on that. He's also really bank hot in that. I know. I don't I like was, that movie. I was with Victoria when we saw the trailer. Never seen it in full. I just think Bradley Cooper's a very handsome man. So do I. That man could do what I've, I've had a crush on him since The Hangover. My my argument with that movie is everybody's mean to Lady Gaga's character in the movie. And I'm like, men are trash. <laughs> But that's that's the point. Like, that's the lesson. No, it's like that in that's all. Why of them. I, that's why I didn't like it though. Spoilers for this movie. Uh, however, <laughs> this is the most graphic of the suicides that they show. In the other ones, it's just implied. We don't see it. Wait, someone oh, kills yeah. himself in that movie? He kills himself, yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Fantastic yeah. movie, great story. Uh, they really don't shy away the way they did in uh, I, in the like thirties and fifties. In the fifties, seventies, and it's fifties, seventies, and there's another one. I was just on the page. Hold up. Because yeah, nineteen thirty-seven, nineteen fifty-four. Who? Yes, because Judy Garland played her in thirty-seven. Thirty-seven, fifty-four, yes. seventy-six. Yeah, yes. because it it was Judy Garland, Liz Taylor, and Bette Midler, right? Is it not? Um, no, Barbara Streisand in seventy. Yeah, Barbara Streisand. Okay, I wanted to say that, but I didn't want to be wrong. I had to click on the Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, yeah, I I like the music in those movies, but besides that, thirty. I didn't like it. Fifty four, seventy six. Hike. 
I don't understand why Shallow was the big takeaway from that movie. Oh yeah, Not, I don't. That is the I'll worst never song love in the again, movie because I'll never love again. It's like I will always love you for our generation. Like that is a phenomenal I, fucking song. Yeah, no, that that I, that's for sure the best one. Yeah, um, it also makes me cry. But yeah, um, basically he becomes a drunk. He pisses himself on stage, and the movie ends with him hanging himself. Um, well, it doesn't end there, but that's, like, one of the last big things that happens. That's why he, like, pretend- somebody pretended to pee themselves on stage at the Oscars that year, and everyone was like, we didn't need that. <laughs> we didn't for, need to see that. Because for anyone watching at home that didn't see it, does not go know that reference. Well, if they've seen any- most people know the story of A Star is Born just because it's been made so many times, and the wedding himself in an award show is in every version. It's, it's like it's the one weird... scene you have to keep, you know? Well, because it is all the same story. Um, it's just others were more subtle about the death part. Um, anyways, uh, Zoe Saldana nearly broke Chris Pratt's rib while filming a fighting sequence. During training, Pratt and Saldana would wear protective gear so they could actually hit each other. However, when the day came to film the scene, Pratt forgot to put on his protective gear and didn't tell Zoe Saldana before they started the fight because he thought she would hold back if she knew. Uh, she kicked him very hard in the ribs, assuming that he was wearing protective gear and knocked him to the ground and he was bruised for the remainder of filming. I forgot that I knew this and that this is also why I don't like Chris Pratt. Don't do that. To anyone out there who is a male, because it's only men who do this, women don't tend to pull this shit, do not do that. Do not tell your female co-stars, co-workers to actually hit you if they don't want to. Do whatever you are supposed to do correctly. The main thing I will draw to is there is a blooper from Victorious where Ariana Grande is riding a a mechanical bull and her harness breaks. And instead of trying to put on a tough face, she yells stop and they go and fix the harness. People aren't going to be mad at you if you stop for safety. They are going to be mad at you if someone else, you or someone else gets hurt because you were afraid something wouldn't look right. Also, people can hurt themselves hitting you, so it's not like you're saying, well, I could take the damage. Like, you might hurt exactly. the other person. Yeah. I'm not it saying that that has like, to be your reason, but, like, hey, don't be an It asshole. just feels like it's wrong on all parts. Also, like, I feel like it could very, very easily get you into a lawsuit. hmm Like, the production company. Like, and just, uh No, that's literally why. It's why you have to wear protective gear and why they won't let... No matter who you are, they won't let you do certain stunts that you're not trained to do, except for Tom Cruise, but that's because he has Scientology behind him, and that's a whole separate ballgame. And Jackie um, Chan, because that's like his whole shtick. Well, because Jackie Chan was a, strain, a trained stunt guy. Yeah. He could do whatever he wanted because he had the training. He also just made his own production company because nobody wanted to like take the liability. He was like, alrighty, I will produce my own movies. Good um, for him. Yeah. Oh, he's, he... But, yeah, goddamn. Um, the, uh, comic book writer who created Rocket Raccoon, Billy, Bill Montello, was permanently hospitalized due to the severity of a crippling traffic accident he suffered in 1992. So Marvel and Walt Disney Pictures set up a private screening so that he would be able to watch the adaptation of the character he created on screen. Oh my god, stop! You cut out for me. What was that? 
Um, the guy who created Rocket Raccoon got in a really bad traffic accident in 1992 and has That's been in a hospital off. ever since. Oh, he's not like paralyzed. He's just in a hospital. Well, yeah, yeah, he's paralyzed, but he's paralyzed to the point that his family can't take care of Like he's yeah, okay. hospitalized. Um, and so Marvel and Disney arranged a private screening in his hospital so that he could watch Aww. it and see the character he created on the big screen. I'm I'm actually crying. It's cute. It's very sweet. It's very nice. Um, in the comics, Drax is green, but for the film, they wanted a uh, differentiation between him and Gamora, so they made him a muddier gray. They Wait, also why did wanted... I think that the I, I had that fact too, but I don't know why I, I always heard it as they wanted to differentiate between him and Hulk. I was about to say they also realized that if he was okay. green, he would look a lot like the Hulk. But it was mainly they didn't want to have two bright green characters that weren't related. Yeah. But then they have the two blue ones, but they're not on and it confused together. me. But it confused me. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. The line, "If I had a black light, this place would look like a Jackson Pollock painting," was ad libbed by Chris Pratt, and I hate it. You want to know why? Jack, a child at eight being taken from Earth would not have known who fucking Jackson Pollock was. Maybe his mom was really into him. Jordan, tell me right now, who's Jackson Pollock? He is a painter from like, well, I guess the eighties, because at least the eighties, because Chris Pratt knew about him. <laughs> I'm. It was you. You can't go off 80s. me. I'm not the most cultured person on Earth. That's my point. But, what, but, like, you could give an explanation, like, if his mom was really into him. I'm sure there are some people. I guarantee you there's somewhere out there there's an eight-year-old who's currently smarter than me. Find an eight-year-old right now who knows who Jackson Pollock is enough to make that reference. Yeah, let me um, just... And isn't a- just saying it because they know it's a reference to something that refers to sex. Because everybody and their mother uses that fucking that as a reference. That's not the first time that it was like, oh, if I had like this and this, it would light up like a Jackson, Jackson Pollock. Pollock. Like that's a joke. Yeah. I was gonna say it's very reminiscent of the Kim Kardashian blooper from Parks and Rec. Yeah, he just likes making sex jokes. He really does. Um, Peter's Quill ship. The Milano is named the Milano after Alyssa Milano, Peter Quill's childhood crush, because he would have known her from her role on Who's the Boss? Oh! See, I was going to make a joke this entire podcast, but I felt like you were going to annoy that every time you mentioned his ship, I was going to refer to it as the Alyssa. Yeah, no, it's uh, Peter Quill's childhood crush is Alyssa Alyssa Milano, because she was on everybody's childhood crush at that time was Alyssa Milano, (laughs) Um, (laughs) because she was on uh, Who's the Boss? And then later, Charmed, where her character wore a lot of skimpy clothing. <laughs> um, I don't care about that. <laughs> um, where is it? What am I looking for? Well, because there are some I don't care about. No, that's fair. And that, like, nobody cares about. They're, like, stupid. Um... When arrested, Rocket's attributes list his known associates, Groot and Lila. Lady Lila is a sentient otter and Rocket's soulmate in the Marvel Universe. I want to see her. Google her. She's in the comics. No, no, no. I mean, like, get her on the big screen. Yeah. James Gunn did say that the third movie is going to talk a lot about Rocket's uh, origins. Then maybe we'll get Lila. I I hope so. 
I would cry. <laughs> also because otters are cute as fuck. Oh yeah, no, I yeah. love I love otters. Tiny, tiny little hand. Tiny otter hand with a tiny raccoon hand. Tiny raccoon hand. Oh. I just don't want to see their baby. I just want to see her give him a rock. They give rocks when they when they yeah. get married. When otters oh, mate, when otters yeah. pick their partners, they give rocks. And then, and then they hold hands while they sleep in yeah. the water. They'll make um like pads of like groups of them holding hands to nap. It's very it's cute. so cute. Um, I love otters. I'm um, sorry. Quick aside, I'm having I googled, a breakdown. I googled here. Lila the otter, and the second screenshot is of an animated her and Rocket um, from the Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale game, and the caption to this YouTube video is "saddest furry love story ever." Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's not who I wanted. When we uh, see, when we see uh, Barit. The alien that Peter has seduced aboard the Milano, she is wearing the t-shirt that young Peter Quill was wearing when he was abducted from Earth. Um, Iron Man was planned to have a cameo in this film as an homage to his character being in the Guardians. Uh, the Guardians' latest members in the comics around 2013, but it was scrapped when Robert Downey Jr. said he may not reprise his role as Tony Stark in the future. Um, Downey had since signed a contract to reprise the role for the Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame sequels. Also, how would um, they have made that work? I don't fucking know. Nobody knows, I don't think. Um Guys, I looked up I looked up Lila the Otter mm-hmm. and they have a Funko of Rocket and Lila. Cute. Oh my god. I think I need it. <laughs> um James Gunn would keep a pile of little Play-Doh containers on set if someone did an especially good job that day, whether it was an actor, a grip, a stuntman, or a personal assistant. He or she would get a canister of Play-Doh. James Gunn said he gave out 40 containers over the entire shoot on an 85-day shoot with a crew of 200. I love the smell of Play-Doh. Opening a new container and smelling it puts me in a creative childlike place. And who doesn't like playing with Play-Doh? And I don't know how to explain that if I was the PA to the director for James Gunn and he handled me a container of Play-Doh, I would not know what to do. I hope that's a thing he's continued to do with everything he's done since. Because imagine, imagine, imagine filming the Suicide Squad, and you give like Idris Elba, Idris Elba. A, a thing of Play-Doh, <laughs> or like Viola. Did you hear see his little thing though, where he was like, "I was afraid to give Viola Davis acting notes on set." No. Oh my god, me. I feel that same. I was like, I'd be. He was like, she plays Amanda Waller like so well that it's it's kind of scary to talk to her on set. And I was like, also, I'd be afraid to give her acting notes. Period. In I would be just afraid to talk to her. <laughs> I feel like you're better than me in literally every single fucking way. Do you Whatever direct you this? think is best, go ahead. Yeah. Like, I like James Gunn directed all of Suicide Squad, except for Viola Davis' scene. She did those on her own. Direct her own suit, honey. It's fine. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, the collector's residence in the films is the space station Nowhere. In the comics, Nowhere is the base of the Guardians of the Galaxy. At one point, Quill calls Rocket Ranger Rick, a reference to the long-running children's nature magazine, which featured a cartoon raccoon named Ranger Rick. <laughs> um, 
Thanos almost got cut from the movie, but James Gunn decided to keep him for the connection to the Avengers. Yeah, wait, what? You almost didn't see him. He was mentioned by, like, Ronan and Nebula and Gamora, but you never saw him and he didn't speak. This movie is a little long, so I could get why being like, no, we don't need to see him. Yeah. Um... Josh Brolin is uncredited and was, in fact, the last person to be cast. He was offered the role while filming Everest. He based the characterization of Thanos primarily on Marlon Britt. Wait, really? I literally just Googled to see if this was the point in which Josh Brolin was officially Thanos. Yeah. he. I wasn't saying wait, really, to that. I was saying yeah. wait, really, that he based the characterization to Colonel Walter E. Kurtz from Apocalypse Now, which is Marlon Brando's character. I fucking hate wow. Apocalypse Now. I hate Heart of Darkness. It's a stupid story. Whatever. But that makes sense. Walter's fucking nuts. Um, anyways. <laughs> um, I already talked about him being inspired by Joe Pesci and the Goodfellas. Um, he's experimentation. Uh, according to the filmmakers, Rocket Raccoon in this film is a unique product of experimentation. He's a little animal who was taken and experimented on and pulled apart and put back together again and planted with cybernetics. He is half machine, half raccoon, and he is a gnarled, miserable, miserable, angry creature because there is nothing else like him, and that's not easy to be. Honestly, mood. There is actually a weird <laughs> level of depthness to Rocket Raccoon's mm-hmm. character that, like, they've only just touched on. Yeah. Um. But like, I like it. Um. I just want to. This isn't a spoiler for any. Well, I guess it is. Never mind. I just think Rocket's very relatable. (laughs) Yeah. It gets better. As you see time go on, he gets better. Oh, I can't wait. Um, Sorry, my nose is just... The guy who plays Korath, I'm not... I don't know how to say that. Ooh. Uh... Yeah, I wouldn't know how to go about it. Did oh, the Jimon actor's Hansu? name? Yeah, Jimon I'm going to guess. Yeah, Jimon Tansu. Yeah. Okay, he was the name that I saw in the credits, and I was just like, that just looks like somebody typed a bunch of letters. Okay, so um, uh, according to IMDb, it's pronounced Jimon Hansu. Okay, so we were close. We were very close. Um, took the role of Korth for the sake Korath for the sake of his son. I have a son who loves superheroes from Spider-Man to Iron Man to Batman. Which, okay, we completely passed over it, but Glenn Close in this movie? Yes. <laughs> how, I, I don't think I want to know how she's involved. I just like that she's I, there. I always wanted to do a thread of, like, actors you have forgot have been in the MCU, and I swear to God, 90% of those are people from Guardians of the Galaxy. Close stated that she had always wanted to be in a movie like this, and it would be the most fun to play something like a Judy Dench as M in the James Bond movies, or Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury role. She said she took the role because she likes to do stuff that's different. She likes to show that she's up for anything. It's fun for her. Good for her. She also stated that her contract has several films on it, and she would be open to working on other Marvel Studio films in addition to returning for Guardian sequels. Oh. Yeah. Glenn Close really just is one of those people where she just kind of likes fucking around and like taking on new projects. It's fun for I, her. I just like I I it was a lot to wrap my brain around. I was like, Glenn Close, why, how, what did <laughs> who did something? Somebody talked to like You think James Gunn was also Satan. afraid to get her notes? 
Um, primarily based on the 2008 comic team star of Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot. The movie also features Yondu, a member of the original 1969 comic team, as an ally. Um, James Gunn reason, uh, reasoned that the usage of songs from the 70s and 80s would help ground to, into reality and provide a fun juxtaposition. He revealed that he compiled a list of hit songs which appear on the Billboard charts during this time and narrowed it down to 120 to be in consideration for the uh, film. It also 120. Helped... I get this. When I had to pick the music for this star youth and I had to go through all the popular 60s, 70s, and 80s music, that playlist yeah. was something like seven hours long. Yeah. Um, it helped Gun entirely throughout production as some scenes were either filmed around the music as it played in the background or served as inspiration for him as he wrote a scene around the track. Um, I would love to see the list of like all 20 songs. Well, he says that some of the songs in like the list went into the second, the second, the second one. Uh, soundtrack. Yeah. I assumed that. Rocket Raccoon is modeled on a raccoon named Oreo. Cute. Cute. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, James Gunn stated several times that Rocket was the big main, if not main reason he wanted to make the movie. Um, he describes the collector as Liberace in outer space. <laughs> which That's a way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Um... Nicole Perlman is the first woman to be credited for writing a Marvel screenplay. She later went on to write Captain Marvel. Write the story that the script was based on. Um, to prepare for the role of Nebula without anyone asking her, Karen Gillian shaved her head for whatever fucking reason, my man. <laughs> I hate that. Um, the dog, which appears in the hologram quill, projects over the ruins on Morag is actually James Gunn's own dog, Wesley Von Spears. That's cute. Yeah. Um, this is just a fun fact about Zoe Saldana. She's a professionally trained ballerina. Really? Wow. She's a professionally trained, I think in the Royal Academy style, but I might be wrong. Um, yeah, she's a professionally trained ballerina. She's the fucking bomb. I love her. But she's great. Um, there's also a really weird rom-com that she's in with Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Ooh, gonna add that to my list. This woman has to be one of the highest paid actresses in Hollywood because she's also in the Star Trek movies. Is she? Yeah. Good for her. She is in the Star Trek movies and she's in the Avatar movies. She's going to be in the sequels and she's in Guardians of the Galaxy and the MCU. Her films have grossed more than $12 billion worldwide. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, ballet was her her passion, and she quit ballet because she didn't have the feet and um, the feet to handle um, roles as a principal or featured dancer. But didn't want had more ambition to just be. Um, basically, in ballet, you have three levels. You have the um, prima ballerina is the top, the one who always plays the lead. You have the principal dancers, which play all the supporting roles, the featured dancers, which play like supporting roles. And then you have the corps de ballet, which is the ensemble. And she didn't have the feet to handle anything above the corps de ballet. So she um, quit. Yeah. And uh, started acting and has been in a bunch of stuff. 
for fucking ever. She's in the fucking Pirates of the Caribbean movie, for fuck's sake. Oh like, my god. You know, she's in so much shit that made crazy money. Good for her. Good. I yeah. know, yeah. Good for her. Rest in peace, um, what's her name from Arrested Development, who makes that quote. <laughs> Good for her, Judy Booth. Or Lucille no. Bluth, played by... Julie Walters. Je- Jessica Walters. Thank Jessica you. Walters. Right? Yes. Thank you. I, I have not watched that show. I just use that gif all the time. <laughs> Good for her. I've seen the first few episodes of the beginning season. Um. Oh, she also does a voice in My Little Pony. So she's making <gasps> bank off of that, too. Oh, my God. What pony does she voice? Uh, give me a second. I can tell you. Captain Cleano. Okay. I don't know which one that one is. Why? I know, like, some of the main ones, but... But, yeah, she's fucking... Ooh. Like, that girl is making bank because she also gets royalties from voicing Gamora in the ride Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. She makes a certain amount of money off that every year because they're using her voice. And she voices herself in a Star Trek video game. So, like... Girls just making royalties from a bunch of shit. Good for her. her. Truly. Queen shit here. Anyways. Um. Yeah. Um. Chris Pratt likes to flex. Uh, this features the first, technically the first appearance of the Celestials as nowhere is on a severed Celestial's head. Um, celestials are an ancient race of godlike beings who watch over and change the universe both for good and evil. Um, I will give him no attention. Yeah, bitch. Hmm? Um, I'm pausing. Yeah, fair enough. In Dutch, Flemish, and Afrikaans, Groot means big, so I am Groot translates to I am big, which is very funny. <laughs> Um, There's a pickup line in there somewhere. Just give me a minute. Okay, while you think of that, um, James Gunn compared the Avengers and the Guardians to music bands. The Avengers are like the Beatles. Rude. The Avengers are like the Beatles and the Guardians are like the Rolling Stones. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) Beatles are bad. The Beatles are overrated. Anyways. Um, the Milano's design is based off a hot rod. Um, it's supposed to look like a muscle car. Um, Nebula is Thanos' daughter in the film, but his granddaughter in the comics. Um, James Gunn's favorite song is I Want You Back, which is why he was so excited to feature it in the movie. That's cute. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Yeah, that's really, uh, really it. Jordan, did she touch on your fun facts? Uh, she touched on the Drax one. There's another one. So James Gunn has moded, loaded this movie up with like little Easter eggs. Two that have been easily spotted is that in one scene when they're walking through a planet, I think it's like when they go to uh, break up the fight with Drax and Rocket, mm-hmm. there is a building that it looks like Mickey Mouse ears. There's yeah. another scene where they show a city, and if you look at the city, there's a building that looks like Tony's arc reactor. Um, 
a tunnel connecting two buildings together, but at a slant. So it looks like Thor's hammer and then a factory that has like a radiation symbol symbol for Hulk. And behind that, a building that kind of almost looks like Cap's shield. However, in this movie and in the next one as well, there's apparently two Easter eggs that he is like, no one has found yet. And like this one with Cap's shield and Tony's arc reactor and Thor's hammer someone discovered that two years ago tweeted him and he was like no one's found that yet there's still the other one yeah so like, yeah that drives people crazy um i have God. my favorite my favorite part who was almost cast in really famous roles because it's fucking hilarious victoria this, this will make up for you you being not able to cast it. yeah let's get ready for the fucking list of people maybe, who read for wait, peter quill maybe i can from this list i can make my fake cast you can make your fake cast based off the b list <laughs> okay yes. so so who do you want first who tested for the role of peter quill or rocket Red yes the peter, with peter. <laughs> joel edgerton I have to Eddie okay. Redman. Oh. Yeah, that would work. No. Jensen Ackles. Oh. Okay. Lee Pace, who plays Ronan. Ah. Okay. Hang on. Um, Wes Bentley. Like from The Hunger Games and American Beauty. <laughs> I don't think I know who that is. Um, oh, generic would be a weird number choice. 10. <laughs> he's a great actor i'm not saying um, he's not but he looks a lot like the guy who plays lucifer on fox as well yeah jack houston i also don't know who that is cam gigante from twilight fame cam gigante plays the main bad guy in the first twilight movie um you're not gonna know any of the rest of those people james marsden Stop. He would have been in another movie with a CGI animal. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Aaron Paul. I... No, no. That wouldn't have worked. And I love it. Oh, I hate this list. John Krasinski. There now are... that one I don't hate. There are eight others I left off because you guys aren't going to know them. Um, but sure yeah. What? You know what? We're starting. We're starting right there with John Krasinski. That's that's B-list number one. Well, who's going to be in your Fantastic Four? She doesn't know that yet. Um, <laughs> it, that's not even confirmed yet, though. He himself has been pushing. He, he wants. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Um, now, for the role of Rocket, Adam Sandler. Okay, you oh, know what? God. I could see it. Like, weirdly enough. Yeah. No, it makes sense, but I hate it. If you it. think about it, half of Bradley Cooper's lines yelling is, like, borders on the Adam Sandler, shut up, like, thing. David Tennant. No. Oh, God. Uh, Jim Carrey. You know what? Okay. I could also see that. Yeah, I kind of get that. And H. John Benjamin, who voices Archer and Bob in Bob's Burgers. The problem is he does one voice, and they joke about that. Yeah. Because, like, in Family Guy, he plays just, like, a, a movie store uh, cashier, but, like, is a mm -hmm. reoccurring character. And there's a, a bit where they cut to that cashier doing stand-up, and he goes, you want to hear me do Archer from Archer? Hmm. And he goes, you want to hear me do Bob from Bob's Burgers? And like his voice never changes. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Michael Rooker, before being cast as Yondu, wanted to play Rocket Raccoon, and there was a massive fan um, petition trying to make that happen. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Olivia Wilde turned down the role of Gamora. <gasps> yeah. I love Olivia Wilde. And uh, the people who auditioned, the other people who were in the running for Gamora were uh, somebody who later got cast by Disney and fired because she's a fucking asshole, Giada Carano. I don't know who that is. She so. played uh, the woman character in The Mandalorian. And she she's just got recently fired for making transphobic, a lot of transphobic comments. And an anti-masker and a big Trump supporter and supported the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. So, and, uh, based um, on fuck what we Giada Carano. Fuck her. But based on what we just said on uh, about Bradley Cooper before, I'm going to reiterate a lot of what I've been saying about her. You gave up Disney money? Yeah. For that? <laughs> Bitch, you gave up Disney money for what? Um, I don't think you guys will know this girl. Try us. Um... Rachel Nichols. Really? I don't know who that is. And Adrian <laughs> Palacki. Palicki. I do know who that is because she's on the Orville and dated Seth MacFarlane for a bit. Yeah. And she, she ended up being in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., didn't she? I don't remember. I don't she know a lot of those people's names. Speaking of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that came up on my Netflix. That's seven seasons long. It's been going since like we were in high school. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was that long. She is, but um, not forever. She's only on it for a little while. Yeah, I knew she was only on it for a bit. Um, what I know her from is she plays Tyra in Friday Night Lights. She's also married to Scott Grimes now. Good for her. No, um, good for him. Look up what Scott Grimes looks like. I know who Scott Grimes is. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? Now you got me double guessing. Hang on. Oh, wait, no, they got, apparently they filed for divorce in July 2020. Sad. I mean, everybody's filing for divorce in 2020. Yeah, when you can't leave your partner for, like, a weekend. I don't mean that to be, like, <laughs> yeah. in a gross way, but it's like, people need space. He was in Band of Brothers, and he was in Critters. He voices Steve on American Dad. Okay. Um, God. Jason Momoa originally auditioned for the role of uh, Drax the Destroyer, but turned down the role because he didn't want to be pigeonholed as a brute. See, okay, the Drax. I had one for Drax in my head in a terrible alternate universe. Like The Rock would be playing that. Mm -hmm. I hate it, but I kind of see. Part of me wants to be like, it's funny because Jason Momoa ended up getting stuck in that anyway. But it's like no, because it's like Aquaman is a like a person. Yeah, and it's like I feel like what this combined with who he played on uh game of thrones would have just yeah really just made him like dumb man who can barely speak does punchy stuff. he's not dumb in game of thrones <laughs> he's just I, 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 I know that i don't even want to but i'm thinking like to other people just, that's how it's going to come off because a lot of people are stupid yeah um also i know no Peyton one asked, Reed. But, oh go ahead never mind Peyton Reed almost directed this film. He was later chosen to direct Ant-Man. Um, he was to later sure chosen about... to be the second person to... He was later chosen to be the second choice for Ant-Man. Well, you know. It worked out in the end, though. Yeah. Um, and the character, the actual character of Nova was originally supposed to be in this movie before oh, being cut. I wish. But yeah. Um, that's kind of everything. 
I quickly remembered a fact that we forgot. Go right ahead. On set, Sean Gunn was Rocket because he was the only person that could yes. like get that small and continue to be that small without getting hurt. Yeah. Okay. He has yeah. no bones. One one of my one of my questions, which I ended up finding out the answer to while looking at IMDb, was if somebody on set was was Groot. And I found that out that somebody is. Yeah. Because um, I was like, are they just talking to nothing? <laughs> in any movie you watch. Um, hang on. We're lagging for a second. Okay. In any movie you watch that there is a character that is very clearly all CGI, there is a human in a green screen suit. Yeah, well. Um, Not always. The. No, um, always there's something because you wait, have to give an actor an eye line. In Chamber of Secrets, the, they just put a green ball on a stick for Harry, for uh, Daniel Radcliffe for Dobby, so they'd be like, "Look here," because they oh. were just giving him an eye line and they didn't need to make it a person. And CGI also wasn't to the point it is now when yeah. at Chamber of Secrets. Also, Dobby's small, right? Yeah, Dobby's literally this tall. Yeah, He's a rocket. <laughs> True. Yeah, but you have to give Dobby also doesn't talk a lot, and there was still an actor reading. They just chose not to make somebody sit there in a green screen suit. Okay. Um, there's always somebody reading the line. Oh, I knew there was always something for the, for both the lines and the eye line. I just yeah. there's just not always a person person. Um. Yeah, with uh, I assumed somebody was there for Groot just because I was thinking about uh, Stranger Things for the Demogorgon. Um, but the Duffer Brothers are weird and they tried really hard to use as many practical effects as possible. So the Demogorgon you see in season one is mostly practical effects. Yeah. But then after that, the all the all the monsters are CGI. Because it's just so hard. Also, they, rats they morph just, into a monster in one of the seasons. So yeah, I would hope that was season yeah, five. Um, no, the rats just did they, that. They were very highly trained. I think I think the the issue with the Duffer Brothers is they want everything to emulate the the eighties movies that they loved. Mm. And I'm like, but we have so much technology, and you could make things look so cool now, so clean. <laughs> um, yeah, but usually in movies, like, it's the same thing you'll see. One of the famous bloopers of eyeline shit is from the Chronicles of Narnia. The man who voices the main wolf is in a green screen suit reading lines with the guy who plays Peter, and they're fucking around before the camera rolling. So he's crouched down like a frog and hopping on his fingers and the tips of his toes. And he has a line in the movie where he goes, um, with that sword, you think you're a man, but you're about to die by a dog. And so he's doing it and he goes, uh, with that sword, you think you're a man, but you're about to die as a frog and starts hopping really quickly at the kid playing Peter. And it's kind of terrifying because <laughs> he's in a full green screen suit with just his face. Just this part of his face peering out of it. I'm going to need to find that. <laughs> so oh, God. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, Anybody have any final thoughts before we we close on out for the night? I mean, I I think the mo- the movie's just fun. Yeah. I, I yeah. Um, I think this was a lot of fun. I don't think it was a favorite of mine. Um, just because like of how I'm I've been like looking at how I rate all my movies on Letterboxd. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's not it's not up there yet but it was it was fun i liked it i think it's a little too long i think there's a lot of dead space in here that could have been cut out and there's I think a that's lot of I think that's my big issue with the Guardians movies as a whole is is the pacing's not great. Yeah, and there's a lot of action, like a lot. Yeah. And I just I'm like, okay, let's get to the point. Yeah. Well <laughs> But it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. I had a good time, a lot of laughs. Well, that has been Marvel School for Dummies on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. We will be back next week with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Learn Jess. You can also find me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Orphan Gamers. You can also find our Orphan Gamers account on Twitter at Orphan Gamers. Uh, beginning April 1st, we are trying to become Twitch affiliate. We only need 20 more followers, and we're going to be releasing a schedule soon with all the games we will be playing. Jordan and I have been working for like four days on new overlays. We're really excited to We to got kind of really relaunch. good at Adobe Spark in a matter of Really hours. good at it. <laughs> um so we're we're really excited to relaunch jordan where can the people find you well you can find me on twitter at jordan underscore deep as well learn said on our twitch channel at twitch.tv slash orphan gamers you can also find another podcast i do at waypoint podcast on twitter there you'll see our link tree and you'll have uh every podcast service that you can dream of to find our podcast on so you no matter which one you use we're there we're also on youtube at waypoint podcast okay and victoria where can they find you you can find me on Instagram at Victoria Lyman. All right. And we will see you all next week. Class dismissed.